0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: Yo, 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 what up? This is Rocky Asuka Romero of Chaos, and you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts.
2: Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts. Keeping you it strong style, reach. let's go. It's the Ace of Podcast, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out and bury all the frauds from the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is a network where we can get it done. I'ma chill and let them have it, cause this is just an intro. Keeping it strong style, six stars from the get-go, boy. Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome, this is Keeping It Strong Style. With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Joshua Smith. And thank you for listening. Welcome to Keeping a Strong Style, the ASA podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dalvin here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll review Fantastica Mania, preview New Beginning in Sapporo, and cover all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Please support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or Keeping a Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the network's podcasts over at SocialSuitBlex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling T store, Pro WrestlingTees.com, slash That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuitBlex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo young boy how you doing man
1: we are we're not live recording this to anybody right
2: no this is still a test and i'm glad because it looks like it's lagging a little bit gotta figure no. that out
1: <laughs> I, th- I, I was gonna say i was like i feel like we got this down <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess it's good i'm not uh i'm not feeling my best bro like i don't know what's going on you know i had covid the other week and you know like one day i'll feel perfectly fine and then like. A few days later like it comes back it's weird
2: hmm, that's really weird yeah kind of like yeah super weird lingering effects
1: i don't know i don't know or maybe i'm just catching something else i don't know but uh yeah i guess uh you know uh, a young boy at 80 percent is still better than most podcasters at 100
0: percent. but
1: <laughs> you know it's a good thing that we're just covering fantastic mania it's not even really you know, part of the real kayfabe, but whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is a uh house show, keeping a strong style. Yeah,
1: we're just here to have fun and entertain the folks and people home happy, you know? <laughs> None of this really counts towards our official records.
2: <laughs> uh Well, those downloads count, though, so make sure you're all are listening, downloading this, leaving us ratings and reviews.
1: Yeah, I agree. But... uh <clears throat> You can kind of hear my voice there a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, um, I can't wait to see the people who can see us and to get the money from them for them to see us.
2: (laughs) So, yeah, that will be uh, hopefully uh, probably by the end of uh, probably beginning of next month. I think we should be good to launch it. I just got to tweak a few more things here to make sure this stream is crystal clear and not lagging so people at home get a nice crystal clear view of us.
1: Well, it's not my fault because we pay for premium Spectrum Internet Wi-Fi. You know, the fastest of the fast. So, I mean, you know, Spectrum's the best. They never fuck up. So,
2: yeah, I got Frontier. Maybe I maybe I need to to switch. No, Spectrum is the shits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're the AEW of Internet Wi-Fi. Oh wow! No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I know there's someone out there that that pop and then other people are like this motherfucker.
2: <laughs> yeah, all the uh, anti-AW fans are like, yeah, amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <sighs> Meanwhile, we got raw playing over in the other room. My girlfriend's watching that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Cody and, uh, you know, Drew opening the show. Mm. Uh, bro a little off topic but did you see that fucking show in um australia
2: yeah i've seen it's like what two chambers um a couple matches <laughs>
1: there's no stars i can't believe they got they got perth to, to pay them to come out there and give them that in a stadium to give them that level of show it's preposterous like these are the biggest grifters there ever were it's hilarious
2: that that is one thing they are very good at making money
1: (laughs) yeah unlike new japan unlike Bushi road
2: (laughs) oh man maybe i should have put that in the news but yeah the those uh stock market prices are not looking good
1: yeah and you know what man i'm not even gonna i know that i work in finance but i'm not a market analyst I've, i've got uh you know, probably a surface level understanding of like world economics, but I far be it for me to sit here and try to, uh, you know, uh, about what exactly it is with, you know, Bushy Roads business dealings and what's caused their stock to drop. But man, look, I was checking it this week and it looks like it's come back a little bit, but damn, they had a huge drop. Like, uh, last week where like a front of the show and Dan, coffin what's up dan he uh he sent us a uh a screenshot and i was like is this for five days or is this for six months and like i was like there's no way that and he's like bro this is like one day and i was like oh my god oh my (laughs) god so uh yeah it's that's not and you know what's funny is like i know on a show like this we come on and we talk about match ratings we talk about storylines we talk about booking decisions and business dealings and you know, behind the scenes shit and what they should and shouldn't do and blah, blah, blah. And I know that a lot of like new Japan fans have strong opinions about everything, but like the stuff that wrestling fans are traditionally concerned with that they're concerned will or won't destroy a company. That's not usually traditionally the stuff that destroys company. It's shit like this. It's stuff like economic stuff from the outside that are outside of other people's controls, bad timing. or it's just like, fuck, the company is going through a really serious hardship. And like, um, oh, hopefully it rebounds. I don't know exactly everything that's going on with that. Uh, Anybody that's listening, if you are, and I'm not just saying like, oh, if you're from Japan or you understand Japanese culture, but I mean like if you are in the know when it comes to Japanese economics and what's going on with this company, like hit us up, give us the scoop and let us know what the fuck is going on. Because I saw those numbers and I'm
2: deeply deeply concerned
1: about the health of new Japan pro wrestling moving forward being tied to that stock price.
2: Yeah. It's not good when you see stuff like that. It's like, you know, are they going to try and sell new Japan? Um, you know, try to sell some of their more popular assets to kind of help with profits. I feel like,
1: well, you have to remember, um, again, not the biggest expert when it comes to Bushi road, but my understanding is that they are traditionally a, uh, video game and card game you know manufacturer that's what their business is their business is not professional wrestling per se now obviously i know like uh or obari's not there anymore but like sugabayashi and those guys like they do value new japan probably based on some of the comments and reports more than they do stardom. Um, But they're like, they're pretty involved with new Japan. So I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, new Japan's doomed or, or anything like that because they do seem invested in the company. But at the end of the day, when their bread and butter is video games and card games, and this is just an additional asset, even if it is profitable, it's one of those things where when businesses start doing poorly, And they have to start looking at what they own that they could potentially sell off. An asset like this is prime real estate for something like that, you know? And I don't know, you know, you have to wonder, uh, companies like WWE have been wanting to get into the Japanese market for years. You wonder if that could be a possibility. Um, you know, Tony Khan would love to own New Japan for
2: wrestling. Bro, (laughs) he, he would jump at the chance.
1: Um, and you know, there's, there's other players out there like cyber agents and stuff like that. Um, it makes you wonder what the, what the future of new Japan might potentially look like in the next calendar year, just given what's happening with the movements and the shifting in, in their stock price.
2: Yeah, man, it it doesn't look good at all. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, I hear people saying, you know, it's going to bounce back eventually, but
1: I mean, I I couldn't sit here and say for sure that that's the case one way or the other because I don't know their business like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't even know how you would find out something like that when it comes to, I know they're publicly traded, but I don't know the rules of a Japanese company versus like an American corporation, you know? So, uh, but I think it is something to kind of put in the back of our minds because yeah, while that might sound crazy, you know, to be like, Tony Khan or, 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 you know, Nick Khan might try to scoop this thing up, but then you wonder the size of the company and the fact that it is the wrestling business, like who would want this thing? You know what I mean? I I'm sure there's prop there could potentially be a Japanese backer that would maybe potentially want to purchase them if it came to that. But you know, that if you're Nick Khan or or whoever is still with WWE, by the time everything shakes out with their fucking allegations, um, if you're WWE or you're AEW, you got to make that call. You got to make that offer. The only th- the only one big drawback I would say for sure is the way that um, the libraries work with New Japan. Um, you know, they don't own their own catalog tv owns that so it's like if you bought them you would be my understanding just basically buying like the properties the copyrights you know the the lion mark probably the contracts but you wouldn't own the library
2: yeah so at that point like do you even want to buy it
1: (laughs) well i mean if you're uh, if you're a north american investor how would you even? Uh, it's the same conundrum that the UFC ran into when they purchased Pride Fighting Championships. How do you get television deals here? How do you run a touring business? Um, maybe it could work. Uh, you know, we, we do live in a much more globalistic society today in 2023 than we did in 2007. But it, I just can't imagine that it would be that easy for like a a, a North American wrestling company to make headway here. And, and make that happen so um it is something to think about because i think that new japan's future might be in uh you know i'm not i, I don't want to like call it like ring alarms i'm just i'm looking at that stock price and i'm like that's not good
2: yeah i mean it's something i mean if you're a fan i'll say i, I wouldn't say you know don't be a chicken little and you know run around the sky's falling but it, it's something to keep your eye on All yeah right, yeah Well, uh, enough of the doom and gloom. Uh, Let's uh, switch gears here and talk about Fantastica Mania. So last week we had uh, one show and then the rest of the tour uh, kicked off this weekend. And, man, they weren't giving us uh, an easy time here. We had uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and today all back to back.
1: Yeah, I got through it. But, uh, you know, if I told you I watched it, At 1x speed, day in and day out, I'd be lying to you. I definitely (laughs) had to uh, hit the fast forward. I mean, again, the sickness kind of been affecting me in a weird way. So I'm like all day kind of like in a weird brain fog. Um, You never like you probably won't understand what I'm talking about here, Jeremy. But like I like to watch like old 70s horror films like Jallo. There's always this like milky sort of like a soap opera soap opery like quality to them like that's what my world has looked like so have been watching uh Fantastica Mania, like in this kind of like weird haze so i'm like who is that defunto why is he not wearing shoes is this just matt riddle under a mask and there i had to like look up defunto and decide if he was actually a cmll guy or if it was like one of the new japan gimmicks where they pretend to be a, a luchador yeah wasn't sure what the fuck was going on, but uh, I got through it all. I watched it all. I might not have the best recollection of everything, but I seen all four nights.
2: Well, we'll go through the results here. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on the stuff that's not super important. Uh, we can focus mainly on the, uh, the tag team tournament and then um, some of the singles matches that happened on the last few nights as well.
1: Yeah, and there were some feuds that were kind of, you know, um, going throughout the shows. I mean, I guess, first off, before we get into the results, like, what were your general takeaways about this tour? How were were you feeling at the end of the five nights, as opposed to how we were viewing it last week with, like, the one house show?
2: So, the two shows, the Friday and Saturday show, they were in other arenas, and it still kind of had that house showy kind of vibe. I mean, it was fun. There were some fun matches, but I was just like, man, it just nothing was really hitting on that next level. And we'll talk about some of the tournament match, the tag tournament matches. Like that tag tournament used to be like one of the highlights of this mm-hmm. tour. And when we started reviewing them, it was the, the brother uh, tag team, and then like the the relative tag team tournament. And now
0: mm-hmm.
2: they don't really have a ton of relatives now, so they have the, the inner faction tournament and I don't know. To me it was just kind of there. Uh, right. And then but when we got to Corkin, things picked up um Sunday and today when we're in Corkin and the singles matches were great. I'm excited to talk about those. A lot of energy. Um yeah, I really enjoyed the Corkins.
1: Yeah, I sort of felt like um, you know, last week I was a little down on Mania just because in the past this tour has usually had certain like story threads that kind of uh you know they're self-contained and they sort of ran through the entirety of the tour that was on tape and you'd kind of follow these mini feuds and storylines and like the tournament like you mentioned and i felt like some of that was somewhat lacking here but um what was a kind of refreshing and different from this tour was that when they say like this was a Lucha Libre festival, like a celebration that, that element definitely was here on these last four nights where it was like, you know, um, maybe not everything didn't make a hundred percent sense. You'd see guys flip flopping from face to heel, just depending on who they're facing and what the need was match to match. But mm-hmm. this was certainly a celebration of like the Lucha Libre style and guys were flying and having fun. And, you know, it was kind of just a feel good thing. Um, easy watches even if the shows like for instance night like you mentioned night uh i guess technically night four but for us night two and night three they weren't like blow away shows but they were just easy watching you know you didn't have to pay super close attention you got some good action if you did but um, it was nothing that like blew me away but it also wasn't like a slog to get through the way that like you know um a, a bad road to show might be you know what i mean mm, yeah so I felt like that was beneficial, but I, there was a part of me that was like, man, I was hoping, and there were some good feuds and we'll get to them, but I was sort of hoping for like, I'm used to what we've gotten in the past where you can kind of sink your teeth a little bit more into the like story threads throughout the, the, um, you know, the, the, the tour. And that wasn't quite as prevalent here, but there were some cool developments coming out of the show Um, I listened to all the backstage comments. And so there were some challenges and some confirmation. So there's even if this isn't quote unquote, like, you know, canon, there's still some like storyline stuff going on on this tour.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's jump in. Uh, So first we had um, February 16th. This was in uh, Aichi in the Nagoya Conference Congress Center event hall. Uh, show opened up. We had the team of Show and Kanemaru defeating Defunto and Tiger Mask. So just kind of an opening tag match here. There wasn't really a ton of story here at this one.
1: Yeah, I mean the the big thing is Show and Kanemaru just basically being despicable heels and cheating the entirety of the uh, the tour, and that was you know firmly established here.
2: Yeah, so yeah, House of Torture here They get the win with the ref out of position Kanemaru hits a low blow on Tiger Mask Tugs off the mask and Cho gets the roll up on Tiger Mask
1: lot of, uh, A lot of people stealing masks on this tour
2: <laughs> Yeah, Every, everybody was pulling somebody's mask off <laughs> uh, So following that we had Dark Panther and Super Kokeshi Machine 2nd Defeating Francesco Akira and Okamura. And we had a question from Rambo and Slam Pig. Who could Super Kokeshi Machine second possibly be? (laughs) I don't, I I
1: was wondering if there was like a a first Super Kokeshi Machine or if like they just added second. uh, I don't know, as a gimmick. I don't know. It's kind of funny, but like, yeah. I'm not really in the mood to play the the, (laughs) the funny game. So, like, obviously, this was Hanma. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I thought Hanma was good on the tour. Um, you know, one, one interesting thing here, Francesco Akira, uh, we kind of mentioned in the lead up to the announcement of this tour how he was sort of aligned with all the heels night after night. But what ended up really happening, as I mentioned earlier, is like the heel face alignments were a lot less pronounced during this tour than you would imagine and so you, you did see a lot of times where guys were face or tweeners or babyface and you know or heel and they're all kind of technico working together or against each other night after night. So I think Francesco Akira being slotted on the heel side sort of makes sense, given the fact that like, you know, um, United Empire, they're kind of like they're they're tw- they're firmly tweeners, but I wouldn't call them like straight up baby faces. But Francesco Akira pretty much worked as just a baby face like nothing really changed on this tour with his uh character work or anything like that but he did get a lot of exposure working with the lucha libres and um and the luchadors the lucha libres, the luchadores <laughs> uh, i almost kind of got the vibe that like maybe him being included on this tour was kind of getting him ready potentially for like a singles run down the line in the in the near future
2: yeah i think so because um Post the match from the the war games or the you know the ten man cage match, he, he talked about I'm going to be the junior for you know Empire. You know T.J. says he wants to do you know open weight heavyweight. Like, I'm going to be the one carrying the junior division. Kind of he mentioned you know being the the main junior in that faction. So I think that yeah, putting him on this tour, especially right after that cage match, is uh, a way to heat him up and yeah get him ready for maybe a Super Juniors win or a potential title challenge.
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm wondering the same thing too. So that was the, the main thing I want to talk about here, you know. Um, but Dark Panther, Tokyo, uh, <laughs> Tomaki Hanma—they have them. You know, it's funny if you go to New Japan World, they actually have Hanma listed here. They don't have
2: Super machines. <laughs> 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 yeah, the New Japan uh, web staff was not with the games either. <laughs> yeah, they're just
1: like I oh, don't. I'm too old for this shit. Like, so they, uh, you know. Dark Panther pins Okamura with the Barrasso Laguna era.
2: Yep. Uh, So then following that, we had Kamatachi and Tetsuya Naito defeating Brillante Jr. and El Desperado. Um, So I think the main thing here, they're kind of teasing Desperado versus Naito, because we do know at the anniversary show, they are bringing back the tradition of of the current heavyweight champion facing the current junior heavyweight champion. So if Naito retains against Sonata, and if uh, Despi retains against Joe, the anniversary show we will be getting Naito versus Desperado.
1: There is a part of me that wonders if, uh, you know, hypothetically, if they had had Hiromu re- retain his title at Wrestle Kingdom, then we could have potentially gotten the you know the canceled match from pre-pandemic between Hiromu and Naito here in this spot, that's a match that people've been wanting for a long time. Obviously, they they're going in a different direction now, and I'm wondering if maybe they opted not to do that because they have intentions to do Hiromu Naito at a bigger stage down the line this year. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I can't say for certain. Like, I'm not going to sit here and proclaim boldly. That Haruma is gonna like win the G1 and you know headline Wrestle Kingdom or anything like that, but it just seems like that's a match people've been wanting for a long time. Maybe you do that in the G1, maybe you do that at like a Dominion or who knows? Maybe he wins like New Japan Cup. I don't know, um, but I feel like that could still be in the cards, and maybe they're holding that one off. As opposed to like paying it off now, but uh,
2: yeah, or even too like we talked about last week, you put him in um, G one, and maybe you have Naito and Hiro in the same G one block, and the man. So I said, I oh, did. Yeah, okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> No, uh, but I agree with you. We're on the same page there. Um, now we also had a uh, Kamaitachi two here, and so we, again, the rendition of the bet, 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 every single night that's been hilarious.
2: But, i don't know I, I got i kind of got tired of it after a while no i pop for it every time
1: <laughs> but um the funny thing is like um Horomu, i don't know if you saw this but hiromu has a new gimmick where um after the match he plays the manager slash agent of kamaitachi yes
2: mr takahashi mr
1: takahashi who's a different individual than hiromu takahashi and um he you know, he wears a suit jacket and carries a book around and he wears glasses and his hair is slicked back and he carries a, a hairbrush with him and he brushes his hair while he's doing his promos and he asks the the press there to give him questions and whatever when, they ask him, if he doesn't like it, he just goes, nonsense. And then he just
2: <laughs> moves on. <laughs> He, he kind of hilarious. He kind of looks like a truth martini a little bit with the with that look.
1: There's a little truth martini there. There's a little, uh, you Don know, maybe Callis. some Don Callis, maybe some, uh, uh, uh Rick the Model Martell. Like, is a total gimmick. I fucking love it. And uh, the only time he'll answer is if he if they ask a question that plays into his like gimmick and you know feeds his ego. Like, it's it's awesome. <laughs> and also, he says stuff that's like completely like contradictory where they'll be like um you know there's reports that uh uh Tam- kamaitachi is a uh, is an alien he's like that's nonsense <laughs> he is but he is otherworldly so maybe he isn't of this planet but he is of japan and like it's like and then he just starts contradicting himself and then he it's hilarious
2: yeah so uh kamaitachi got the win here with a roll-up over Br- brillante jr Another kind of story playing out with Kamatachi is, you know, trying to do the LIJ, you know, fist huddle with the rest of the group. And usually it starts with the match with them. They go do it, but then they end up jumping the other team. Um, And so kind of of similar stuff we saw with Zando Jr. when he wanted to be a part of LIJ, but they weren't fully ready to let him in. So then uh, following that, we had a... Revolos and Curlibres, six-man tag match with Atlantis Jr., Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Yo defeating Hechocero, Musashi, and Riske Taguchi.
1: Yeah, and at this point, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, man, this stuff is all blending in together.
2: Yeah, I think <laughs> the main thing here is um, Backstage comments. Hechocero, he wants a uh, TV title match against Tanahashi, so kinda of tease them here in this matchup
1: well tanahashi did uh he came and uh pretty much accepted the challenge and said that they're gonna they're gonna do that down the line after you know after he defeats Matt riddle so who knows if it actually happens but uh, you know I feel like throughout the tour they were kind of setting up things that m- likely are not gonna pay off in New Japan but I'm getting the vibe that they're probably gonna do another like uh Japanese Fantasca Mania in uh Arena Mexico and they're kind of setting some of this up some of this stuff up for that.
2: Yeah. So uh it was yo here. He pulled off the mask of Taguchi got the uh, stray jacket choke on him, and got the submission victory for his team.
1: Taguchi backstage after this match was hilarious because he kept putting his hands in his face <laughs> and basically uh asking if the press was were going to pixelate his face to protect his identity and like, I don't know, I guess he just kept like moving his hands in front of his face. It was very David Lynch esque. like (laughs) it was almost like he believed like if he didn't see us, like we wouldn't see his face, but you can clearly see his face. And he's like, you're gonna you're gonna blur this out, right? You're gonna blur my my face out, and like, but no one confirmed that. But he just believed that they're going to blur his face out. So, yeah.
2: yeah. And the funny thing is, he has like the, the crappiest little face mask. It's like a mask <laughs> that you would make in elementary school for like the you know little Mardi Gras parade kind of thing. Little like e- e- uh, King Tut kind of mask. What's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> At least bring out like the mask course if you're trying to you know quote unquote.
1: You know, uh, Taguchi during this tour, uh, at this point, Taguchi is uh, basically a non-factor when it comes to day in and day out New Japan. So, I mean, he's just essentially, I mean, yeah, he's been comic uh, relief for a long time, but, you know, there was always Big Match Taguchi. That's pretty much, that's dumb. Like, he's basically dad status at this point, but for the juniors. But, um, you know, a lot of the comedy he does usually irritates me. But on this tour with these guys, and a lot less ass play. Like I, I kind of dug Taguchi this week.
2: Yeah, I mean he, he was fine. I, I'm not gonna. He praised on him, but yeah, it's better than I think what we get sometimes.
1: It's just like you know. Usually, I'm I'm like I don't want to see his ass. I don't want to see like people stick their <laughs> fingers up his ass. I don't want to see people ram things up his ass. Like I'm. I that's like that's my barrier. So like if they're not doing that stuff, I'm okay with it.
2: You know? Yeah. No. Uh, no red thongs. No red thong. Yeah. None of that. Like, <laughs> and we
1: didn't get any of that. So that's where that's where I'm coming from. I'm like, I could stomach this. It's all right.
2: <laughs> uh, so, following that, we had another Relevels incredibly, incredibly. Have theme
1: song where it's like the opposite of Billy. Gunn, where it's like, I'm not an ass man. <laughs> go, go.
2: He's not an ass man. <laughs> oh, he doesn't love to see him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I am but just not when it comes to, to gucci
2: <laughs> uh so uh another incredible rival six man tag here we had Mascara Dorada, mystico and templario defeating doki rocky romero and soberano jr by disqualification so in a lot of these six mans we've been seeing uh Mascara, and mystico team together we kind of mentioned that last week you know the Kind of current ace of CMLL Mystico and the, the the guy That they're pushing as their future ace In Mascara Dorado so they've been teaming A lot in these matches so they're Teamed up here with uh, Templario And going against the, the heel team of Doki Rocky and Toborano, which we've seen Rocky and Toborano kind of form this partnership As we saw it on New Japan um, Battle in the Valley they, They're kind of teaming up more together And Soberano's been going under Rocky's wing um, So all that kind of played out Here in this matchup
1: i thought this match was awesome there wasn't a lot that i remembered from this night in particular but this this match was right up my alley and it makes sense because it's all the you know the the top guys that i'm fans of and that were all in the big singles matches and they they just went out there and they they were just flipping bro lots of dives (laughs) yes lots of great action high flying all over the place this was a this was a showcase match and then um uh, I believe it ended when um, Soberano Jr. unmasked Templario
2: here, and that's what caused the DQ. Yeah, rips off Templario's mask, ref calls for the DQ, and they also, they were all building a singles match between uh, Templaro, Templario and Soberano Jr.
1: Yeah, plus Rocky Romero and uh, Volador Jr. have had the longstanding rivalry, uh, you know, dating back for years, but, you know, really heated up last year, and uh, they were building to that singles match the, the following evening as well um Additionally in the backstage comments they confirmed that Doki wants to have a singles match with a uh, mystico Mystico heard him came backstage and basically confirmed that if he wants a, a singles match with him and possibly a title shot that he's willing to do it they shook hands and they agreed to it. so again that's one of those things where it's like I don't see mystico I don't see hechicero necessarily coming back for a TV title match. I don't see Mystico coming back to New Japan to, defend his historic middleweight title. But I do think that they're probably going to do those matches in, in Mexico. Most likely.
2: Yeah. That makes a ton of sense.
1: So yeah, this match was kind of like, you know, for the, for the evening, probably the most, uh, it was definitely the the highest quality match, but it also set up a lot of the kind of story threads throughout the tour. Yep.
2: Yeah, so then following that, we had the start of the inner faction tag team tournament, so the team of Magnus and Bolador Jr., they defeated Pegaso and Stigma in twelve minutes. And boy.
1: Yeah, this one was uh this wasn't a bad match, but the finish was fucked up where Marty Asami like I don't know, like I
2: he bro counted this whole this whole tour, he's been off. I don't know what it is, but he's been horrible on this tour. He's blaming on the
1: alcohol, bro. <laughs> Man's been hitting
2: the hitting the booze, you know? Hitting something. Hitting something, I don't know. <laughs> dude, this man was like not counting for five on rope breaks. Like, they were just do dude, there was a, a point here where like bullador um and Magnus were in the ring two on one for like a good five minutes. And like he would say, like, all right, one in one out and at one time, and that was it. And like they're just in there just running it and just a two on one the whole time I'm like what is going on here
1: <laughs> well you know how bad New Japan is when it comes to this sort of thing with uh, just their tag teams in general then you kind of take that and you like compound it with the fact that like with uh, luchador tag rules there's no tagging the guys just kind of come in and go and like Marisami's probably like just fuck it like none of this <laughs> shit matters anyways <laughs>
2: My, Marty's like, I'm not getting paid enough
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: for this
2: story. Yeah.
1: Got too many guys in here doing too much shit. I don't know. And, and he probably can't remember like, who the legal man is anyways. They all got masks on. He's like, I oh, don't know. One of these guys is legal. Uh, There's a lot of times where everyone was getting pinned and he's counting all of them at the same time. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You don't even know who you're just covering your bases and just hoping one of them is the legal man. You don't even know which one's
2: sleeping. Well, well, that's what caused the screwy finish. Yeah. So, um, Volador and Magnus, stayed. you know, had a double pin and ref, you know, Marty counted one, two, and then one of them kicked out, but the other one didn't. And then Marty just called them and they were going to keep wrestling. And Marty's like, no, 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 it's over. I counted three. <laughs> well, he was saying like,
1: I thought he was trying to take it back because he was going like, no, 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 but the music was going and I was like, is he saying, no, I fucked up or is he saying, <laughs> no, my decision is final. Or if he was just like, just no, no, no to everything because he, d- he lost control and he was having a meltdown. I don't know which of those three. He's
2: was like, I- was I- I'm done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just- <laughs>
1: i'm out of here i don't know what the fuck it, that was <laughs> one of the weirdest things i've seen in new japan like ever
2: bro i was like i got legit upset at that ending like i was enjoying the match and that happened i was like that was
1: pretty good too
2: and I was like what I, I was so i i was literally audibly was like what 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 just happened
1: you know uh Picasso and stigma they uh um brought up on commentary many times how their tag team attire was like You know, it's uh, supposed to be like the colors of the Pueblo Indians and, you know, the pottery and everything like that. But, like, to me, I just saw like the fabulous Rougeos. Like, that's what their attire reminded me (laughs) of. Like, you know, Jock and and PCO and all those guys. Yeah. Um, Also, I didn't. Another thing, Magnus wrestled as Black Tiger, you know, a Black Tiger variant on night one when he did the 10 minute draw with a with Tiger Mask. So I thought he was a heel. And then I'm like, wait, he's Volador Jr's like regular tag team partner. He's well, he, he's, te- he sto- he's technical.
2: He stole Tiger Mask's mask that night and like they're bringing up the on commentary the whole time, but in this match they were kind of heels. Like like I mentioned, they were doing the 2 on 1 beat down. I felt like Volador was more aggressive in this match.
1: Yeah, it's just weird. You just never know. But, like, apparently he's a Technico. I think. I don't know. Bro, this whole tour, I thought Templario was a Technico, and I find out he's a heel. You know, it's weird.
2: Yeah, I was confused, too. Like, normally I was like, yeah, you know, Voladores, you are a good old, you know, Technico, follows the rules. And this man's like... Doing the two on one beat down, like what is?
1: <laughs> What's happening? It's because they they come to Japan and they're like, these people don't watch the product. We can do whatever the fuck we <laughs> want. Doesn't matter, you know. So uh, yeah, uh, Volador Magnus pick up the win here in one of the weirdest finishes ever.
2: Yeah, so they advance to the finals the following night, while uh, Pegaso and Stigma would go to the uh, losers bracket playoff. So then the main event here, the other tournament matchup, we had Stuka Jr. and Ultimo Guerrero defeating the LIJ team of Bushi and Teton, 12 minutes and 24 seconds.
1: Yeah, good main event, uh, solid match. Um you know what though, I did oh, you know, there was one thing I I don't remember if, what match it was specifically, but I think it was the match we were just reviewing. There was a weird point where i was enjoying the match but they did this thing where all four guys went to the top rope and just stood up there for a long ass time and then guys started jumping across and doing like
2: it was the uh uh, it was a volador match i'm pretty sure that we just the one before right yeah, Yeah.
1: yeah And I'm like, why, but they stood up there for so long. I'm like, you guys just like fucking blew the spot. Like, this is not dynamic. This is fucking weird. You're all holding onto each other and just standing up there for a long ass time. Like, I,
2: I think that was a spot, like right before the whole the screwy pinfall, like from no, there- the
1: screw the screwy pinfall came after like the basement drop kick to the head and the, um, and something else. I don't know, but yeah, it, it was just weird. I'm like that obvious cooperation. I mean, I, I get it. It's Lucha Libre, but like you got—you don't want it, all four guys balancing on each other, standing atop for like literally like thirty seconds before anything happens. Like it just looks terrible.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this matchup here was a pretty good matchup. Um, like I mentioned, Stuka and Ultimo Guerrero get the win here. So obviously, yeah, two heavyweights and then Stuka and Ultimo, two of the top guys from CMLL. Facing two juniors, um, Teton, who made the Super Junior Finals last year, and Bushi. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and uh, giant splashes at the finish here to pick up the win. Um, Stuka Jr., Ultimo Guerrero, great tag team. Really enjoyed the work that they did on this tour. And, uh, you know, they picked up a big win. You probably could see that coming a million miles away that we're going to wind up with a Volador-led tag team versus an Ultimo Guerrero-led tag team. I mean, that's just chalk pick, so.
2: Yeah. Uh, and before I move on, who who has the better uh, raising the roof, Harlem Heat or Ultimo Guerrero and Stuka Junior?
1: Well, this is a trick question because <laughs> if I if I say Booker T, if I don't say Booker T, then like I'm kind of racist. <laughs> but if I say if I say you know if I don't say Ultimo Guerrero, I'm like betraying my own heritage, like you know. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'm just
2: going to say. What side are you on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but it's always awesome when those guys come out there and just, you know, the whole crowd's raising the roof with them.
1: I love it, bro. Yeah, it's great. Don't ask me racial questions anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so following that, we had uh February 17th uh, for Fantastic Mania. Uh, show opened up. We had uh, a special attraction match here with uh, La ha- ha- haroshita and Yuvia. They defeated the Odeo Tai team of Ruaka and Starlight Kid from stardom.
1: Yeah, I think it's a sad state of affairs where we're living in 2024 and a women's match is still just a special attraction. They should be highlight of the show. I don't see a reason why we couldn't have had a women's family tag team tournament for this year's fantastic manias bullshit
2: <laughs> uh we should just do a, a women's fantastic mania tour
1: hey i i don't know enough women's luchadors that that could happen <laughs> but probably <laughs> no but in all seriousness though um i thought that this was one of the better matches of the night i was uh pretty impressed i i don't know much about um Las Chicas, Indomables. Indoma I need to learn Spanish. Like, I'm a, I'm the worst fucking, you know, like, Mexican, Puerto Rican person there is. I can't speak <laughs> any
0: English, Spanish.
1: I, I am thinking about getting a, um, what's it called?
2: Rosetta Stone?
1: <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my girlfriend, and I was like, I might do that. She's like, we should do that together. She's like, it'd be really great, you know. You, you should learn Spanish. It's like your family's heritage. And I was like, Yeah, and I'd be able to watch Rita, Mexico, Friday (laughs) (laughs) nights. I know what they say. (sighs) Uh, she was like no you could like further your career you know you could like help people it's i was like nah i just want to know what they're saying Yeah,
2: further this podcast every, i just want to know what they're saying every watch every year week. when we watch fantastica radio yeah. yeah. i
1: was like and then after that i could learn japanese and then i could want like, just listen to the japanese commentary figure <laughs> out what the fuck's going on
2: yeah it's funny i i did like put the uh, duolingo on my phone i was like oh, i want to try and learn japanese and then i just haven't started it yet
1: <laughs> oh yeah but, um, going back to what I was saying before I got sidetracked. Oh man, I'm literally like losing breath doing this show. Can you tell? You do sound a little like. It's kind Bro, of like-, like it's, I'm sick. It's weird. Like, anyways, um, I don't know very much about these, uh, luchador women, but I, they were like, kind of like, for lack of a better term, like female hosses. They were kind of like bullying Starlight Kid and Ruaka and, uh. But also they had a lot of, like, Yave styling. And, you know, Starlight Kid, she likes to fly. I thought this was a good little opener. They, you know, they only gave them 12 minutes, so it's not like they had a blowaway match. But I was like, I don't see why not if New Japan obviously has the partnership with with Stardom and CMLL has their own, um, you know, female luchadors, why they can't, like, be a part of the tour and highlight both at the same time.
2: Yeah, I thought this was a really fun match. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, kind of the highlights. Starlight like Kid hit, hit a big dive to the outside from the top rope, and then Yuvia uh, followed for dive of her own. Um, and then we got down to the end where Haroshita uh, tapped out Ruwaka with a Moodle Lock. So yeah, really fun entertaining matchup. Fast paced. You know, they only got 12 uh, minutes, 26 seconds here, but yeah, it was really enjoyable for, for what it was.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, Fantastic Mania Tour is just like there's a lot of different things going on here i feel like it would add a little bit of flavor to the to the tour to maybe include some women and kind of showcase them highlight them that sort of thing
2: yeah especially you know somebody like stephanie recur who's uh gotten over especially on new japan shows i think it'd be great to have her on these shows
1: yeah i i just think i think the synergy would be beneficial across the board so
2: yeah yeah so then, uh, following that, we had the LIJ team of Naito and Yotasuji teaming up with Kamatachi to defeat Defunto Riske Gucci and Super Kokeshi Machine second.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, um, Kokeshi Machine had his mask ripped off and, you know, they, they called it a malfunction, but it, it was clearly revealed that he is, uh, in fact, Tsubaki Hanma. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah you know shout out to walker he, he was still trying to play it up like he couldn't see his face it was like who is that
1: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, i i want to say that um i know that we've said different things about walker and you know chris and this kind of transitionary period since kevin has left but um, i really felt like on this tour in particular Walker on the solo shows really started to come into his own. I know he's been improving uh, a great deal since he first got here, but like this was the first tour where he was doing solo shows where I was like, damn, he's fucking good. Like really good. And um, I thought him and Chris started to kind of just gel together a lot better once they started. I think they pretty much did the Cork and shows, but um, yeah, like they're, kind of just getting in this rhythm, uh, where they kind of understand how to work with one another a bit better. And yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's been, and it's one of those things we said it was going to take a little while for the adjustment to take place, but yeah, they're starting to to figure it out and it's pretty good.
2: Yeah. And his Spanish is way better than mine. (laughs) Yeah, mine too. um so yeah lij team get the win here suji does this like um pendulum boston crab type maneuver on defunto to get the submission win
1: Yeah, it's the, that's the move that um colt cabana used to always use
2: yeah um the billy goats curse
1: that's what he calls it i think i've seen people call it like the the hangman's uh boston crab or something like that
2: yeah then uh, following that, we had Sho and Kanamaru teaming up with Hechisero and Okamura, and they defeated Atlantis Jr., Dark Panther, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Io. Um, So this was uh, setting up the Okamura and Dark Pan- Panther singles match that would be coming up and continuing to tease Hechisero versus Tanahashi.
1: Yeah, I don't have much more to say than
2: that. <laughs> yeah, Um <laughs> You know how's the torture? It was fine, what it was. Um Higisero, uh tied up uh Panther in a really cool submission, dude. His
1: that that submission finish is the only thing the takeaway I had. Where it was, I don't even know. It was almost kind of like a uh, like a Koji clutch, but sort of like a, a
2: reverse arm triangle choke. Like it was, it, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. But what, it was whatever it was, yeah, it was nasty. Um So yeah, they get the win there. So then uh, following that, we had uh, Briante Jr. and Soberano Jr. defeating Doki and Templario by disqualification, 8 minutes and 40 seconds.
1: Yeah, so on this night, um, Templario was much more the Rudo uh, versus Soberano Jr. out for revenge. He had his mask stolen the night before, so he returned the favor. He stole Soberano Jr.'s mask. Uh lots of just crazy heat for this one. Uh Brillante Jr. and Doki were trying to break it up. Those guys were getting punched out. The young lions were in there. They were getting beat up. And uh they just brawled like all the way to the back. And uh, you know, this this was a great setup for the match the singles match that they had the following night in Cork and Hall.
2: Yeah, really great braille to that match. Also, I thought uh Brillante looked good in this match too. Uh they mentioned on commentary that he is the nephew of Andrade La Sombra, um, and this was the mask that Andrade had pre before he was La Sombra. He was a uh, Bredante Jr., so mask kind of being passed down to the nephew here, and he looked pretty good here too. Yeah. So then uh, following that, we had Francesco Akira, Mascara Dorada, and Mystico defeating El Esperado, Rocky Romero, and Tiger Mask, 10 minutes and 44 seconds. <laughs>
1: I loved the post-match comments for this one because you had Rocky and Desperado in the back and Rocky's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. We lost. How did we lose? I thought we had great communication (laughs) and Desperado's like, I agree. I agree. We're a great team. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, it was that tiger mask. He sucks. He's why we lost. And like Desperado's like, yeah, it was totally tiger mask. And then he was like, you and me, hundred percent communication, same page. He's like tiger mask zero percent communication loser and he was like yeah he sucks <laughs> and they just like completely just buried tiger mask in. he was 100 percent the reason they lost
2: well i mean he, he was uh, they had a back and forth uh <laughs> roll up section here between uh tiger mask and akira akira got the better of tiger mask held him down and got the the win here for the team yeah and
1: i also thought that this was one of the uh better multi-man tag matches of the tour
2: yeah so then uh following that we had the third place match in the inter-faction tag team tournament so the lij team of bushi and Teton, they defeated Pegaso and stigma eight minutes and 35 seconds
1: um this, this match was fine you know um very is on the short side uh Two teams battling it out for so that they don't come in dead last. That's pretty much the most you could say about this one.
2: Yeah, um, Teton hits his um, Immortal uh, double stomp onto Godzilla's back after Bucci did the uh, MX, and they get the win here. So, yeah, fun little matchup. Uh, I thought Teton looked pretty good here. Uh, so, yeah, they get in uh, third place. Then the finals of the tournament, we had the team of Stuka Jr. and Ultimo Guerrero. They defeated Magnus and Bolivar Jr. 11 minutes and 51 seconds.
1: And, um, you know, in the past, this tournament, I guess, like when it first was happening, it kind of felt like a, a fresh new concept for the tour. And then after a little bit, there was a little bit of prestige, but you know, like you said, it, it moved from being like a brothers tournament to like a family member tournament to like now it's just dudes in a faction and they don't win anything. They don't even bring out like flowers. They don't bring a yeah, they used to, out, yeah.
2: I feel like they used to bring out a trophy. I think they should be like a check. Like, they used to they be like, get, they
1: don't get anything. So it's like, it's kind of a waste of everyone's time. And th- these guys aren't wrestling this tournament in a way to where it really feels like it matters, anyways, either. So, you know, this match was fine. Um, it was pretty good. You know, uh, I don't. I don't have much more to say. It, it. I wouldn't rank it as something you need to go back and watch if you missed it. Honestly.
2: Yeah. Towards the end here, uh, Ultimo Guerrero hits the. I think he calls it the Ultimo Special, which is a uh, top rope reverse suplex on Magnus, and gets the win.
1: Yeah. Uh, competitive match. Good action. This was a good like house show
2: tag match. Yeah. And kind of uh expected win here for Ultimo Guerrero and Stuka Jr. So then that takes us to uh Cork and Hall now for the uh February eighteenth. For the real shows. <laughs> yeah, the uh yeah, those should have been like road two Fantastica Mania and <laughs> this should have been uh Fantastic Mania. So we had uh February eighteenth, Cork and Hall show opened up. We had uh the team of Tanahashi, Pigaso, and Ritsuke defeating Super Kokeshi Machine, second Tiger Mask, and Yo.
1: I don't have much more to add here. Just a, a fun opener with lots of guys on the tour.
2: Yeah, Tanahashi uh, rolled up uh, Hanma here to get the win for the team. Um, then following that, we had the LIJ team, Bushi, Naito, and Suji. About up with Kamatachi to defeat Sho, Kanamaru, Udro, and Magnus? Um, One thing um, in the
1: post-match comments uh, on this tour, I don't know if it was on this night or what night in particular, but Sho appeared to have confirmed that he is accepting the stipulation that was presented to him by Desperado for their uh, upcoming IWGP Junior title match where if he uh loses to desperado he will have to leave house of torture and join strong style um there was also um another thing before i i forget you know on the tour previously show had stolen the junior title from desperado and he kind of just carried it all throughout the tour and like despy wasn't trying to get that shit back like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) like house of torture just steals the belts and then the dudes that get the belt stolen, just let them hold on to it. They don't try to get it
2: back from them. It's weird. It's like, we know we're going to win. So we'll just get it back when we win. <laughs>
1: there, there was also,
2: uh, since
1: we're on the subject of Desperado, I think starlight kid had mentioned wanting to further her partnership with, uh, Desperado in the future. And you know, I don't, I, I saw one translation that kind of mentioned strong style. I don't know exactly the full extent of that, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so here, uh, once again, Suji gets a submission win with that uh, Pendulum Boston Crab on Magnus. And House of Torture kind of uh, abandoned Magnus here, uh, leaving him yeah. um, on to fight LJ by himself, allowing Suji to get submission and victory here.
1: Yeah, I also think uh, Suji, for the first time since he's been back in Excursion War, you know, uh, gear that was a little bit different from what he typically um, traditionally wears it wasn't just a different color it was totally different design I am wondering if I, I've seen a few of his clips from his time in Mexico and it didn't quite look like what I've seen him wear there but I wouldn't be surprised if this was a variant of his like uh CMLL excursion attire
2: yeah so then uh following that we had a special challenge match here with Teton defeating Brillante jr so kind of the whole thing here um, you mentioned Briante Jr., he's up and coming, nephew of Osambra. He wanted to uh, challenge Teton to a special singles match here, so kind of the up and coming um, guy versus a more established star in Teton. Um, also, really fun match. I thought Bri- Briante Jr. looked uh, pretty good.
1: Yeah, this is a good showcase match for him, give him some exposure and experience. And, um, you know, Teton is probably one of the premier guys from CMLO that actually works uh you know a little bit more predominantly on the New Japan roster as well and he is one of the top guys in in CMLL out this time so it's not a surprise that he picked up the win here but uh good up and coming showcase match for Brillante Jr and uh Teton picks up the win.
2: Yeah also uh Horomu came out and seconded Teton for this match and he was drenched in sweat. Look <laughs> he was gassed. <laughs> and and
1: yeah what's funny about that was like Kamaitachi had wrestled the match previously. We hadn't seen Norimoto <laughs> Takahashi on the entirety of the tour, but suddenly comes out to second Teton, and he yeah, just uh, obviously he had to do a quick wardrobe change. Yeah, and also, I mean, he he was he's been working at in that full body suit, so you have to imagine how <laughs> hot that probably is.
2: Yeah, uh, but briante did a lot of cool stuff here. Uh, here versus uh, Teton's uh, tornado DT uh, with uh, cartwheel. Did a really cool uh torneo, Tope Torneo, um Running set out Power Bomb, did the he went for the uh, La Sombra, um, split like a moonsault for a near fall, uh but then eventually Teton uh came back, hits the double stomp, and then does the um his uh Immortal um Utah Lock and tapped out Brillante to get the win so then uh following that, we had the uh black cat uh memorial matchup was it this matchup or was it the following match no, it' was this match uh, yeah uh so yeah atlantis junior dark panther and Musashi uh no no, it was not this match <laughs> no I think it was uh, the next night right uh
1: yeah, I believe so i'm uh, I'm pretty sure yeah, it was the next night because uh. What's his face was in that match.
2: Um, Kanahashi was in that match, right? Or, er.
1: yeah, was did that? Did we already review it?
2: Uh, we mm. compelling audio, <laughs> man. There's a, there's a lot of stuff to keep up here with this tour.
1: Yeah, if this had been spaced out just a smidge, um. Yeah, the fifth match was the Black Cat Memorial match was Desperado, Stigma, Mascara Dorada, Mm -hmm. Mystico versus Ultimo Guerrero, Stuka Jr., Francesco, Kira, and
2: DeFunto. Okay, so we're almost there. So, yeah, the fourth match was Atlantis, Dark Panther, Musashi defeating Doki, Hichisero, and Okamura. Uh, So, once again, this was kind of continuing to preview uh, Dark Panther and Okamura. Um...
1: And and also uh, provide a preview for Atlantis Jr. and Hechicero the, the following evening.
2: Yeah, so uh, Dark Panther tied up Okamura, got him to tap out to get the win here. Um, so then following that, then we had the uh, Black Cat Memorial match with El Desperado, Mescarada, Rada, Mystico, and Stigma, defeating Stuka Jr., Ultimo Guerrero, DeFunto, and Francesco Akira.
1: Yeah, um, they do this match every year as sort of like a, a memorial to Black Cat, who was a liaison between uh, New Japan and and you know the Mexico offices. And um, I thought this was one of the, the better you know Black Cat memorial matches that I could recall. Lots of high flying, very fast paced action. Um, all these guys working really really hard here.
2: Yeah, really fun match. This was a really uh, high-paced matchup here. Uh, Stigma ends up hitting a piledriver on Defunto to uh, get the win. And, yeah, really fun stuff. Then uh, following that, we had semi-main event of the night. Soberano Jr. defeats Templario 18 minutes and 40 seconds.
1: Yeah, they did a great job on commentary here, kind of talking about the ongoing feud that these two guys have had with one another throughout their careers and what their you know career records look like and what their recent um, you know victories were against one another. So a lot of uh, homework being done there. I don't know if that came from Chris or if that was more of like a, a Lucha Blog thing, but um, kind of setting the stage And this match just ruled. Um, yeah. Easily the match of the tour.
2: Yeah, this match was so awesome. I mean, from the opening of the match, uh, Templario, um, or excuse me, Soberano has a big Fosberry flop, flop uh, towards the beginning, and then this uh, top rope corkscrew press. Uh, Templario comes back with springboard dropkick. They're just doing a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, one of the crazier spots was uh, Subarano doing the dude buster uh, onto the apron, and mm-hmm. they, they ricocheted off the apron onto the onto the floor so yeah it was crazy He inadvertently did like a double dude buster apron to the floor which is nuts
0: Uh,
1: yeah this was just really 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 high level um lucha libre but done almost effortlessly like flawlessly in most cases and uh these guys really impressed me um typically you get some really good singles matches at the tail end of the Lucha of the uh, fantastic mania tour. But this one kind of stood out to me as being one of the higher end ones that I've seen in quite a while. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what category these guys fit into, but I'm, I am going to kind of assume right now that they're probably on that threshold for junior. So I'm wondering if they are, you know, if this match is uh, potentially a junior match, the year contender come award season, uh, very likely. So, but uh
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean they, they did have Soberano in that heavyweight uh World Tag League tour, and he is you know signed with New Japan, so maybe they're gonna push him as a heavyweight.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell. That's why I was kind of questioning that one. But uh this match was just really incredible. There was one move, and I I can't quite describe what it even was that I saw, but even on commentary, they're like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was like some sort of spinning cartwheel fucking story thing that these guys did and like I've been I've watched a lot of Lucha Libre over the years I'm not Lucha blog or anything like that but I've seen a lot of crazy stuff but this was something where I was like what the fuck was that I felt like I was watching (laughs) you know like the first time you saw the the Luchadors in 96 on Nitro that's what this was I was like what did I just see like they did something in this match that I need to get the replay of because I was blown away by one of the moves at the tail
2: end yeah, there was a great sequence where um, he gets um, Templario caught in the ropes, and he immediately does that springboard moonsault while they're caught in the ropes. Like, that was nuts.
1: They did some crazy stuff, and they just flowed. Like, it was really, like, when people say Lucha Libre is, like, a beautiful kind of art, that's what this match was, and, um, you know, there's a lot of grit, a lot of, you know, um, good strikes and exchanges a lot of great near falls like this kind of epitomizes epitomizes like what a really good third fall of like a lucha libre title match usually feels like and yeah this was the standout and the, the match following it was no slouch either but this was the highlight of the tour
2: yeah so hit a uh big jumping knee followed by two set out pile drivers to get the win over templario uh, we had a question here from Discord Daddy says, "Buenas noches, senores." What tours do you expect to see Sobrano on this year, and will he align with a faction?
1: Well, I think we got this question before today's show, and I know that it's a new Japan centric question, but there's clearly something brewing, and we'll talk about that here in a moment uh, when it comes to faction alignments within CMLL that was you know established on this on this tour. Um, there is, there was some, um, hinting on commentary that we might get the first luchador ever in the new Japan cup from CMLL that there's never been anyone from CMLL that's participated. I wouldn't be surprised if that's Soberano jr.
2: Yeah, definitely could be. Um, there seems to be a lot of interesting names that are going to be, in New Japan Cup this year. So, yeah, I think uh, a fresh feel of some new guys like Sobrano would be cool.
1: Yeah, and I mean, uh, if hypothetically Sobrano is working as a heavyweight and he does have a contract with New Japan, you might see him in the G1.
2: Yeah, which would you be know, cool. We've got a lot, a lot of spots to fill this year. <laughs> yeah,
1: as, as far as alignment, I really don't know, but he is, you know heavily a heel i wouldn't be you know what i wouldn't be surprised if like and i know people are going to groan when i say this and be like that would be bullshit blah 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 but like given how like quote-unquote evil his character sometimes comes off i wouldn't be surprised if he like aligned with house of torture ew (laughs) it wouldn't really bother him that much nothing would change i mean he's still just soberano as a heel you know what i mean like he would only really be moonlighting here anyways. But I mean, like where else would he, what other heel faction can he really realistically join right now?
2: Yeah. I guess we'll talk about maybe the Rocky connection will lead him somewhere else. Um, We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, But speaking of Rocky, the main event here was Volador Jr. defeating our good friend, Rocky Romero, 22 minutes and 34 seconds. Continuing their uh, rivalry, great rivalry from last year of a great series of matches.
1: Yeah, another highlight match of the tour. This was, in my opinion, the second best match of the entirety of the tour. And, you know, getting two really high level singles matches back to back on this evening, um, you kind of combine that with like uh, some of the other stuff that was on the evening this was in my opinion the best night of fantastica that we got all throughout everything that happened but um you know rocky and volador they've worked it's kind of funny because they were right in the middle of their heated feud last year during fantastica and everyone was sort of speculating that that was going to lead to a uh, a singles match between them during fantastic mania last year and it didn't happen and it was like kind of a wasted opportunity it was like damn you guys aren't you really not going to do that because it's like an ongoing thing currently and i guess they weighed they decided to wait a year um you know most of those matches are actually the the two big ones volador put over rocky romero clean as a sheet in arena mexico so it makes all the sense in the world that volador would uh you know, get the big win over Rocky on his home turf in Japan at Cork and Hall. Um, they did a lot of great stuff in this match, but ultimately it was Rocky picking up the win here.
2: Yeah, really good match. It was kind of, I want say, anything you can do, I can do better situation. Uh Rocky would go for a big uh tope, and then Voldor would do a two- tope, and one guy would do a Spanish fly, the other guy do a Spanish fly. So they were kind of going... Uh, move for move with uh, some of their big spots. Uh, Rocky did a uh, running double stomp from the apron to the floor onto uh Volador. Um, Rocky got a slice spread for a great near fall. Uh, springboard frog splash. Um, Voldor was doing a lot of cool stuff too. Um, uh, let's see here. Did a great uh, Rocky got a near fall from the dude buster, who was trying to tap Volador out with the cross arm breaker. Um, uh, but Voldor refused to tap out. Um Voldor uh reversed it into a power bomb, and then he gets this uh Springboard Canadian destroyer out of nowhere to get the pin over Rocky. Yeah, that finish too,
1: um, where they were at the they were on the top rope and they came off the top rope and landed in the armbar. That was the finish of the first um, surprise upset win where Rocky defeated Volador and th- th- that was a huge callback to that moment, but this time he wasn't able to get the victory over Volador. and Very shortly after that, Volador hit him with that Destroyer. But what was unique about this one was it was a rebounding Destroyer after he hit the second rope and like turned back like he rebounded off the you know jumped on the second rope turned around and hit a destroyer like really slick really awesome finish and uh yeah picked up the win there so um kind of putting the stamp on the the rivalry between those two guys for the time being
2: yeah uh post match celebration uh brought or brought his son out there uh i think it's like 10 year old son and said that uh he wants him to go to the, the Nogate dojo i think there was a lot of mistranslations here a lot of people thought that his son was going to go to the Noge Dojo like right now as a 10 year old. No,
1: I, I listened to the post match and what it, he basically was saying, like, he's his legacy. And in the future, when he's of age, you know, he expects him to come to Japan the same way that he's been to Japan. I don't I don't even think it, he was saying specifically to come work in their dojo, but. Uh,
2: well, a, a lot of people I saw were like totally mistranslating on Twitter. They're like, oh, yeah, Voldor's son's going to start training at 10 years old and in a dojo, was, like, that's not what he said.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean,
1: I mean I could be incorrect. It wouldn't be the first time I said something wrong on this show, but
2: no, because Chris uh, Charlton corrected it on the next night. He's like, "Yeah, this is what Walter actually said."
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like when I, I listened to the post match promo and it that's not what they were saying that he said. So yeah. Uh,
2: so yeah, good night there, and then we followed up here with the final night of the tour, also in Cork in Hall. February 19th, uh, showing up, we had Broliante Jr., Toguchi, and Yo, defeating Bagaso, Stigma, and Akira. Uh, just kind of a fun uh, opening matchup here uh, with uh, Broliante hitting the split leg moon Moonsault to get the pin here. Yeah, and that's
1: one of the finishes that um, LaSombra used to do in his younger days as well. So, very much like a nod to his uncle and, you know, he kind of picked up the big win there. So, you know, a special moment for him.
2: Yeah. Then we had uh, L.I.J., Bushi, Naito, and Teton, teaming with Kamatachi. They defeated Sho, uh, Kanemaru, Defunto, and Magnus. So um, after L.I.J. got the win, uh, there was a little angle here where Sho and Kanemaru were being down, Defunto, and Magnus. Uh, well, they came back and got the better of them and cleared the ring of House of Torture getting a little revenge from when they left um, Magnus uh, all by himself.
1: Yeah, and you have to wonder if this is the last we're going to see of Kamaitachi, or if he's just an enigma
2: that's going to, you know, fade away into the ether. (laughs) You have that man uh, work super juniors twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So then uh, following that, we had... Okamura defeating Dark Panther 9 minutes and 13 seconds like you mentioned so one of the matches they were building throughout this tour uh, all held, led to this big singles match here. Dark Panther had got the submission victory over Okamura uh, in that preview match the night before so Okamura was able to come back here and get the win over Dark Panther.
1: First big win for Okamura in singles action in Japan in many years so <laughs> I guess uh, kind of good for him uh, there was uh some uh intergender violence with Mima Shimoda which is to be expected on this tour believe it or not uh it happens almost every year but uh I'm sure there's probably some people seeing that sort of clutching their pearls being like aghast at, at it which you know you gotta wonder in 2024 if this the if that's the kind of heat they should be going after but you know it is a you know uh, lucha libre show and this is the kind of thing they do over in mexico so giving them the authentic experience <laughs>
2: yeah uh, mima came up there at one point yeah dark panther hit her it was he had like a big suplex right yeah uh yeah got her uh out of the ring and then uh, okamura went for a roll up uh panther kicked out and then okamura hit a running stunner and got the win so then uh, following that, we had another singles matchup with Atlantis Jr. defeating Hechicero, 12 minutes and 42 seconds.
1: Very good match. Um, considering the the level of these two guys, you kind of know that they could have a better match, but given the time that was given to them, uh, I thought they had a good storytelling match. Uh, Hechicero was attacking the the knee of Atlantis Jr. all throughout. Um, going as far as to even rip his tights and expose the knee. And I'm, I'm kind of a mark for that sort of thing. I like when, you know, people like get their masks ripped or get their attires ripped to kind of show. I mean, it doesn't do anything, but I don't know. I just <laughs> like it. But uh, yeah, Hachisero was attacking the knee, kind of um, softening him up for an inevitable submission attempt, obviously. But ultimately Atlantis Jr. was able to fight through that and even um, kind of at one point he ripped the the tights even further and pulled down his knee guards to even expose the knee further and he used it as a knee strike even though it caused him immense pain and hit two huge uh splashes on Hetchis arrow further damaging the knee but you know were able to secure victory for him so he picks up the win just no surprise because atlantis jr is one of the preeminent stars of cmll at this current time but you know uh, Hedrick's arrows uh, profile has definitely risen uh, in recent days, especially with the match with uh, Brian Danielson and him calling out Tanahashi. He's got a potential date down the line with Zack Saber Jr. Being, you know, is, he definitely feels like he's in a higher profile spot right now than he did last year on this tour.
2: Yeah, there was also a great match he had on the the Rev Pro Fantastica Mania tour with uh, Michael Oku. So, yeah, he's been having some high-profile matches across the world and kind of really displaying that technical style that he has. And, yeah, he's great. Looking forward to seeing some of these other matches they're teasing, the, the Tanahashi match, the Sabre match. But, yeah, like this junior pick up the win. He ended up doing uh, the, the D'Lo Brown style frog splash to the back, then to the front, and gets a pinfall win. Then moving on, we've got Desperado, Musashi, Templario, and Bolador Jr. They defeated... Kanahashi, Rocky Romero, Soberano Jr., and Tiger Mask.
1: Here's the weird thing to me: if Tiger Mask was gonna eat all of these pinfalls, why couldn't he just lose the the um, the lightning match on night one
2: against Magnus? <laughs> He's like, nah, that's just a one That's, match. Too,
1: that's one step too far.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm not losing a singles match. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll lose these multi mans, but if it's a singles match, nah. <laughs> I got to win.
1: (laughs) I just don't get it. He's losing every other night. Why did did he go to a time limit draw?
2: (laughs) Weird. Yeah, another uh, fun matchup here. Kind of continuing the Templario and Sobrano story, the Volador and Rocky. Um, So towards the end here, uh, Sobrano hit the Fosbury flop on Templario, Desperado, uh, hooked up Tiger Mask and uh, pinned him with uh, his, I forget what he calls that uh, that quick pin, but it's kind of a, a mousetrap kind of uh, yeah, that's what it was, and so he pins Tiger Mask, gets a win then uh, post-match, Rocky grabs the mic and he puts over Soberano and Templario uh, from the match they had the previous night and says that time for fighting each other is over and he asked them if uh, they would want to join a faction with him in CMLL, and they shook hands and agreed. So Sobrano and Templario are now part of some new faction that Rocky is starting in CMLL.
1: Well, that's a smart way to go about it because he already had the run with the title. He already lost the title. He lost the rematch. That like main event level title run is kind of done. So. But clearly they've had a lot of success with Rocky in Mexico. They want to keep using him. So the next step would be a natural progression like this, starting a faction. And that's going to probably provide, you know, title like tag team or trios, title opportunities, feuds, just other things that they could be doing. So I think that's a smart way to go about things. And, uh, you know, Sobrano Jr. being one of the guys that, could potentially work in new Japan based on his like dual um uh contract you know or at least reportedly um being in a in a faction with Rocky also makes sense for when he comes to Japan but you know we don't know the state of chaos we don't know what's going on with those guys so it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out
2: yeah I'm wondering if you could kind of make chaos more of a spin of whatever Rocky. Does in CMLL or yeah, maybe you 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 kind of add Soberano into chaos and we get that weird dynamic of kind of like the JY and chaos dynamic where you have this heel and this bayface group and maybe that causes issues and starts some feuds there.
1: I don't even know if chaos is going to exist after this next month is over.
2: <laughs> I don't know that they put out them blue and pink shirts. Uh, you know, they those are the jankiest shirts. <laughs> Yo, I, I
1: I've I've over the years I've really ragged on AEW for putting out a lot of shitty designs for t-shirts and rightfully so. Lately though, ever since they got rid of Miss Massey, the the, the shirts have gotten better, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah. for all that shit I've talked, I, I we have no room to really criticize because New Japan consistently puts out shitty t-shirt designs all the time it's very rare that i see a shirt that's from new japan where i'm like yeah i'd wear that yeah and none are worse than chaos like chaos just always has the junkiest jankiest shit
2: even their towels like that purple of i think a purple and green looking towel like there's like almost nothing
1: that they've ever put out that i would even consider wearing
2: yeah well, moving on to the semi-main event here, singles action. Ooh. Mystico defeats Ultimo Guerrero, 13 minutes and 34 seconds. So history here, uh, Mystico is 19-4 uh, and four in the 23 prior matches against Ultimo Guerrero. Uh, Ultimo saying that he's so surprised that he got the, semi, the semi-main event spot considering he's lost to mystico um so many times and also he kind of had a quiet uh 2023 so this was kind of a way to get him back in the spotlight here and a chance to try to finally um get a win over mystico
1: yeah i haven't seen um i I don't know why i'm literally having brain fog i was gonna say i haven't seen this match but i did see this (laughs) (laughs) um what i was going to say though is that uh I thought that the top two matches on night two were good, but nowhere near the caliber of matches the night prior. Um, Mystico and Ultima Guerrero was a fitting final match. We've seen them in the main event of Fantastic Mania before, and given both their kind of like semi-legendary well, I guess legendary status within the company, it makes sense that they would be at the top on a night like this for this company. Um, I thought it was good. U- ultimately, Ultimo Guerrero... Uh, he hit his reverse suplex off the top rope, got the near fall. Everyone kind of thought that maybe he would beat Mystico there. And then very shortly, uh, Mystico hit the La Mystica for the, the, the tap out finish. Um, but, you know, we kind of talked recently about the feud between Okada and Tanahashi and like them playing the hits and what that looks like. This is very similar. If you've ever seen a Mystico Ultimo Guerrero match, if you could imagine in 2024 what what them playing the hits looks like, it's pretty much this match. I mean, it, especially in 13 minutes, this is exactly what you would have wanted and ex- kind of expected, and it was pretty good. Uh, not it, nothing that blew me away, but it was it was good for what it was.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed the matchup. You know, since Mexico's come back to Mexico, uh, I feel like he's. Uh, you mean to to CMLL? Yeah, uh, he's really kind of picked back up um, kind of where he left off before going to WWE, and uh, I think he's been on an incredible roll, and yeah, him here with Ultimo, also, I'll such history here, you know, 20-something matches, and yeah, they kind of did the, the greatest hits here, and I really enjoyed the match, because really, I haven't really seen a ton of these guys except before, and so yeah, this was a really fun matchup here. Like you mentioned, Mystico uh, gets the win with La Mystica, and uh, Ultimo Guerrero falls even more behind in the rivalry against Mystico. Then the main event of the evening, we had Mascara Dorada defeating Stuka Jr. 17 minutes and 13 seconds. And like we mentioned last week, this was kind of a big spot for Mascara Dorada because he is the guy that they're pushing, the next guy, the next ace up on deck. And so they gave him the big main event of the Fantastica Mania Tour, which normally you would see a guy like a Mystico um, in the main event of a tour like this. But, yeah, slotting Mystico back in the semi-main event, having Mosca Dorada here in the main event. And I I really enjoyed this matchup as well.
1: Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, You know, I was a little surprised, given the fact that they had Stuka Jr., someone who, when called upon to go, can still go, but isn't necessarily like a main eventer. For the company. But when you think about somebody that's an incredible base that's not Ultimo Guerrero, then that's kind of Stuka. So it made sense why they put him in this position with Mascara Dorada. And, you know, we've talked in the past about how dynamic Mascara Dorada is, but also how inconsistent he can be with him sort of being a, a bit botchy at times. And that was nowhere to be seen in this match. I mean, he. He was on and just really dynamic, hitting a lot of incredible high flying stuff all throughout the night. And then uh, you know Stuka slowed it down, got the heat. Uh, I thought they had a great match, and this was also probably the most physical and violent of all the singles matches on the tour. Uh, they they definitely gave them the time to really work, and it wasn't so much like. Uh, I mentioned earlier how a lot of what we saw on this show or on the tour was like showcasey and sort of like, you know, a festival celebrating Lucha Libre. But this was the one match that sort of had some oomph to it where the guys were really hitting each other and kind of going the extra mile. Stuka ripped the mask of Masqueraderada, getting the heat from that. And this, I wouldn't quite call it like, say, uh like a, a mask versus mask match. It wasn't quite that level of heat, but it was a, you know, it was a lot more hard hitting than anything else that we'd seen on the tour. And ultimately, Mascar was able to put him away with the 450 splash and uh, you know, kind the, of uh, came out. Sh- shooting star. Oh, my bad. Yeah, he does both of those. Yeah, he hit he, him with the he, shooting he star. Did, and, he
2: did do a 450 that got a, a near fall, but yeah, eventually he got the uh, hit the shooting star to get the win. Yep, he hit the shooting star, got the pick up the win here over Stuka
1: Jr. and <laughs> Um, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, telling us that he is the future ace of the company. I don't know if that will actually come to pass, but right now that seems to be the plan for them.
2: Yeah, really enjoy the matchup, but like you mentioned more violent here. Uh, Stuka Jr. at one point, he put Mastorado through a table. He did like a press slam like from they were in the crowd on the bleachers and he pressed them from the bleachers onto this table. That was awesome. Um Stuka Jr. He does this cool, like, straight up, like, he like straightens his body out, and it's like this crazy, like, missile dive. Um, that was dope. Uh was a spot at the very beginning where Masquerada goes for a big dive, but uh, Stuka moves and hits young lions, and so, yeah, they were doing a lot of crazy dives, very hard hitting, Stuka ripping at the mask, so you kind of see a little bit of um, Masquerada's face, his hair is coming off the mask, and so, yeah, more heat here, really trying to get Dorada over, get some sympathy here for him. Yeah, he had a great come back with the 450 shooting star press which is his big finish nobody kicks out of and yeah he gets the big win he gets to do the the closing uh, speech for the tour then all the other luchadors came out for the traditional picture got the music everybody's hugging clapping you know going to the fans nice uh, ending of fantastica mania
1: yeah um I noticed that they didn't let Atlantis or not Atlantis, uh, (laughs) be be the main guy kissing all the babies and standing out there forever. But yeah, uh, a good send off. Um, I'll be sure to check out the, uh, post-match comments tomorrow when they drop. I don't know if it's going to have any, uh, any effect on anything that we're seeing from today, but you know, you never know. Maybe there's some storyline development. So,
2: Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up our, preview, or me, our review of uh, Fantastica Mania 2024. And now we're going to jump into previewing new beginning in Sapporo. this coming up weekend, Friday and Saturday, two nights of action, lots of title matches, lots of uh, heated feuds here. So um, all this is happening in the Hokkaido Perfectual Sports Center. Uh, so night one Friday, February 23rd uh, show will kick off with a uh, pre-show Frontier Zone tag match with uh, Tomi Oma and Tor- Toriano taking on Show and Tomi Hanma. So uh, this uh Frontier Zone that we've been seeing on some of these big shows.
1: I don't know Tomoya, but uh, I, you know, he's we'll see. I don't know. It, it's a Frontier Zone match. I don't <laughs> give a fuck about those really.
2: Yeah. Then uh, following that, then we will have uh, Blue Justice Yuji Nagata taking on the front man, Zach Sabre Jr. Yeah, so this is
1: kind of an interesting one. We just saw Zach you know coming off the big win with Brian Danielson. Um, the last thing we heard was you know Danielson kind of mentioning that maybe down the line they'd like to do it again. You know it's one thing I forgot. Um, last week was like people were asking us, "What's the most neutral location where they could do this?" The obvious answer was sitting right there, and it and we we totally missed it. They should do that match in WWE. That's the most <laughs> neutral location that they could possibly do it.
2: Oh my gosh! And
1: you know they do have a gimmick for that style of match they could do it in the underground the oh yeah the uh raw underground I, yeah why not you know but uh yeah it, it's interesting we got uh zach sabre jr going up against eugene Nagata you need eugene, eugene Agata, another uh recent opponent of brian danielson's and i'm wondering if this is in any way related to a continuation of that feud or if this is unrelated and it's just zach you know not having really a spot on the show but being poised for a push here in the near future so they're giving him one of the dads to have a competitive match to kind of juice him up before whatever's next maybe there's an angle down the line setting up zach as a a near title challenger maybe this is a precursor to new japan cup i don't know
2: yeah, I definitely feel they're heating Zach up for something, especially following up that big win over Brian Danielson. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like maybe obviously New Japan Cup's on the horizon. Maybe he's going to be Zachy 3 Cups, win that uh, tournament again. Or, uh, you know, there's a couple other shows. I mean, we, we got Winnie City Riot. There's the Resurgence show in May. There's also Secure Genesis in April and Don Taku in May. So there's a, there's a lot of big shows Coming up, or even if he doesn't win New Japan Cup, he could potentially still be a, a title challenger uh, and challenge for uh, any of those big shows. If he's going to challenge, he should win. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, following that, we'll have um, Bol- Bolton Oleg, Rish uh, Gataguchi, and Tomio Hanma taking on the House of Torture team of Ren Narita, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and Yujiro Takahashi. So just okay. <laughs> standard uh, <laughs> multi-man matchup here. No real story. I'm going to guess House of Torture uh, gets to win here. Yeah, most likely. Uh, then following that, we will have Kazuchika Kata's second to last match with the Chaos team. Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Kata, Tomohiro Ishii, Yo, and Yoshihashi will take on the United Empire team of Callum Newman, Francisco Akira, Great Ocon, Hanare, and Jeff Cobb.
1: Yeah, and, and both groups, obviously, this is the first time we're seeing United Empire, a uh, full-fledged group, operating again since their defeat at the hands of Bull Club War Dogs uh, in that steel cage match, so... Uh, With them kind of like losing Aussie Open and now they're losing Will Ospreay, they don't have a leader. You're kind of wondering what the state of that group is coming out of that loss. And then uh, at the same time, Chaos is in a very similar predicament. Okada's on his way out. And the future of both of these groups is very much in question. And I'm kind of wondering, like, are they pitted against one another because new Japan has something interesting that they're looking to do storyline wise as it pertains to the future of either group or are they just going to do the chalk thing where it's like, these are just undercard matches. Okada's there. They'll probably celebrate them a little bit when it's done and nothing interesting is happening out of these. And I could see both happening realistically.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just kind of looks like, Hey, let's get, Okada a chance the team of his buddies one last time you know the one, yeah one yeah. last ride for chaos and it's gonna be a fun matchup emotional matchup and then yeah the match is gonna end and we'll, we'll move on
1: but yeah you put it better than I
2: <laughs> I could have but
1: yeah that's what I'm wondering like is that the chalk thing that they're gonna do the New Japan thing where nothing comes out of this and it's just a, an emotional farewell um, just fun you know something on on the undercard but they do have the opportunity here to do something and i'm not saying it needs to be you know this blow away earth shattering angle that shifts the you know the landscape of new japan doesn't need to be that but got two two groups here right now that are very much you know um in transition do something with somebody, get somebody over. I, I, I'm i not going to give you guys the ideas, but it's it's right here. You got these guys going back to back two nights in a row. If not now do it, do something, you know, mm. it's going to, it's going to look bad if we're like a, a month from now and both of these groups still exist, but they have no leader and they're just kind of aimlessly floating out there the way that I live my life, you know, <laughs> just, <laughs>
2: But yeah, hopefully something comes of it. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, there's a similar match on the following night. We'll we'll get to. Um, so then after that, we will have the final preview match between Los Ingobernables de Japón and Just Five guys. So they all have big matches the uh, following night. So the final uh, five versus five preview match here
1: uh Naito's really been lighting up Sonata on the uh post-match comments talking about like you know I'm here doing the tour working all these matches kind of enjoying myself Doki's here doing the same thing but Sonata for whatever reason like couldn't work the tour what is he doing to build up the match in the in the meantime is he doing press is he building anything up on his social media is he doing any interviews like what is he doing and he's like pretty much nothing he's like so i hope he's training really hard because if he's not (laughs) (laughs) building the match and promoting he he certainly needs to be prepping right like because what is he doing he's not doing anything yeah so i don't know um but there were those reports in you know putting kayfabe aside there were the reports that sonata was You know hurt through the latter stages of his title run and you know worked the tokyo dome injured i'm wondering if he's still injured and that's why they've given him this you know time off and now he's going to come back but um not a lot of juice for that title match unfortunately it's uh, honestly the the biggest match of this lij just five guys feud is the hair versus hair match between you and suji
2: yeah so, yeah, look at the final preview here. Hopefully, they can do something to heat that matchup. But yeah, definitely Suji and are kind of stealing the show right now. All right, so uh following that, we will have a series of championship matchups. Uh first we'll have the IWGP women's title online. Uh, first time being defended in a new Japan ring since lone shootout last November. The champion, Mayu Iwatani, will defend against Mina Shirakawa. Mayu has a 2-0 record against uh, Mina, so we'll see if uh, Mina could uh, get her first win against Mayu and win the IWGP Women's Championship. I've never seen Mina
1: Shirakawa wrestle, but she is my favorite Joshi. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to the match. I think uh, I think it's like you mentioned. I mean, the last time the, the title was, defend, uh, was defended in a New Japan ring was November. But um, the last time it was defended in a Japanese New Japan ring is all the way back when uh, Mercedes defended the title in that triple threat match at like, what was that, Dominion?
2: Uh, I think it was Sakura Genesis, right?
1: Sakura Genesis. So it's been almost a year. And the, the entire point of that title was to be featured on major shows in, in Japan. And that really hasn't happened. So I'm glad that they're starting to do that. Kind of echoes some of the sentiments I had earlier about uh, the women's match on the um, the undercard of Fantasca Mania. So I, I'd like to see this happen more regularly. But, um, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of stardom to be transparent, but... I'm a huge. I am a big fan of Miami Batani and she always puts on great performances. So, looking forward to this one. They're calling this uh, card uh, title match Friday or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So uh, there's a lot of titles on the line in this the first major one, and uh, it's probably going to be good.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the match. Yeah, big fan of Mayu. I just I have not been able to invest in Stardom uh, like I did a couple of years ago. Uh, but also, I listen to One Nation Radio, Rachel and James Boy. You know that they hit the music, keep us, keep us updated on what's going over in the world of Stardom. Obviously, a lot of shakeup there, Frosty, um out of there. But uh, yeah, Mayu and Mina are great. Should be a fun matchup. Um, I would. There was a weird thing
1: where. Hiromu when he was doing his backstage comments he mentioned that he was going to go out to dinner with Mr. Rossi Ogawa <laughs> <laughs> are you letting us say that didn't he just get fired <laughs> the fuck? Um,
2: so yeah I, I'm going to guess Mayu's going to retain just because that uh, that movie about her life is getting ready to release so you probably want her to still be champion while that movie comes out
1: um, I, I couldn't imagine she's going to lose the you know Minashirao is not going to be IWGP Women's World Champion. You know what I mean? Yeah, not right now, anyways.
2: So following that, the next championship on the line will be the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. The champion El Desperado will defend against Show. They have a two-two uh, record in singles matches.
1: Um, I think that Desperado does win although i couldn't discount the idea that they do a screwy um you know finish and and put the title on show as much as people don't want to hear that uh the main thing that gives me pause is that stipulation where he has to join strong style that just seems kind of like out of left field and i could see why they might do that because hypothetically show loses He might be able to, you know, kind of translate that into a a gimmick change of sorts that might be very necessary for him, a, a reboot. But at the same time, they might be saying that because they don't have any intention to do it. You know, keep in mind, this is the junior title, and the junior title has historically, up until recently with Hiromu, it's switched hands very often within one or less title defenses. So you just never know. Um, I I expect Desperado to win, especially since he's probably the bigger marquee name that would make sense to face off against Naito at um, the anniversary show. But who knows? Stranger things have happened. New Japan makes weird decisions. You just never know. I'm going with Despy, but I don't think it's a a 0% chance that show could win.
2: Yeah, I'm also going to go with Desperado. I don't know. I feel like with the anniversary show and them doing heavyweight champ versus junior champ, I think obviously the money match to do is Naito versus Desperado. Uh, I mean, if it was up to me, I I would not be booking House of Torture show uh, in a main event. You know, maybe if it was you know 2019 show, all right, that's that's a different story. But right. I, I think the, the right booking call here is to have Desperado. He'll, maybe we'll have Desperado debut some new members of Strong Style because I mean it's just him and Suzuki right now, so he needs some help to avoid get you know even Does the Suzuki odds.
1: even go here anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know I feel like it's been a while since he's been on a tour. Um, so yeah, Desperado needs to reload Strong Style. He needs some help to fight off against House the Torture. His a uh, partner Watto uh, injured, so that could be a cool way to bring some people in. So then, uh, following that, we will have the never open weight title on the line. Evil will defend against Shota Umino.
1: I'm I'm hoping that Shota gets the win here. I saw his. Uh hair that he posted online and I'm hoping that's not the finished product because <laughs> it's not necessarily looking like ace material but uh, you know um, I, I I just you know I'm never going to go for evil I, I'm uh, I hate evil so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm hoping that Shoto Umino picks up the win here and I, I feel like that would be a good direction for his character and probably for the, the, the product in general
2: yeah at this point i kind of feel like it'll be uh, a little bit of a booking malpractice if umo doesn't win this here uh you know we keep talking about it over and over again they need to push young guys and you start getting the young guys over and you're not going to do it with them losing for several years and then giving them a big win like now's the time with okada gone osprey gone Um, You know, other big stars have left. You you don't. There's no more Jay White. No more Koto Ibushi. Like, there's a lot of top spots. There's a lot of guys that they need to start pushing. And so, I think now is the time for Shota Umino. I think he's proven himself. And I think, yeah, if I'm them, I strap him up here, have him beat evil. He beats a former IWGP Heavyweight Champion, captures his first New Japan Championship, and you set him off into a good direction.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Also, I don't think the match is going to be very good. It's just, it's evil. So, you know, I don't want to hear people talking about like, oh, you know, Shota sucks. He couldn't carry evil to a good match. Nobody carries evil to a good match. He's evil.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we'll be, I'll be excited if he can get like a three and a half out of evil. But there's going to be, regardless, there's going to be a lot of house torture bullshit this match. Oh, of course uh but also you know if uh um being part of Tai, you know he'll have people to kind of fend off how the torture so if he's smart i I, he could, not. I mean they've been doing it on the tours where like those guys help out so i can see a, a thing where like tanahashi and all those guys like run out make a save and tanahashi's like Penna! <laughs> uh but even yeah. gets the win so hopefully that's what that's what happens well,
1: I don't think Tanahashi's going to be able to be out there put given too much energy because he's got his own title match right after that.
2: That's right. Yeah, Tanahashi is in the next match. That is the NJPW World Television title match. The, the ace, the president, he will be defending the title against the King of Bros, Matt Riddle.
1: This is an interesting one because, um, you know, well, you know, I guess we have to say it every time Matt riddle is, you know, an alleged sex pest. It's kind of known if, if you want the details, if you're not in the know, you know, go look up speaking out, read the allegations. Um, and that's just one of several, there's other issues just aside from that stuff. But, um, when it comes to the actual wrestling, I think right now in 2024, Matt riddle is, Many, many levels above where Tanahashi is, just from a physical standpoint. I mean, it, it was glaringly obvious all throughout the Fantascomania tour that, like, Tanahashi is hurting. Like, he is hurting. Like, he didn't want to take bumps. Like, <laughs> the way he moves. Like, and I know this is a continuation of what I've been saying for, it feels like almost two years now, but it's becoming more and more and more pronounced. It, it's worse, yeah.
2: And dude it, it's my dad's a heel wrestler man. Yeah,
1: it's- and Tanahashi is obviously still from a psychological standpoint like when it comes to the actual psychology of the matches he when when it when it comes time to go he finds a way to make the match work. But you know that that's only going to last for so long. So I don't know how good this match is going to be. It it it's interesting how when Tanahashi's the president his TV title matches are in the semi-main event, even though they're only a 15-minute time limit. Um, they, did, they did give him the right, I guess, marquee opponent for it, but uh, I don't know what the crowd, how the crowds are going to react to Matt Riddle in Japan. It's his first time there. Um, I don't know how familiar they will be with him. I'm sure he'll be impressive, but I don't, I don't know what to expect when it comes to him and Tanahashi, how they'll gel together from just a chemistry standpoint.
2: Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that all kind of plays out What kind of match it is And yeah, like you said, yes, you know, Matt Riddle uh, You can Google the the allegations Definitely not the, the high person on, on the list That they should have been bringing in But New Japan's going to New Japan And uh, bring in guys like this But unfortunately, he is, yeah Still an incredible in-ring performer And uh, from an in-ring standpoint, I think he's going to deliver, and uh, with Tanahashi's psychology and what he, Riddle can do in the ring, I think that she can do do something pretty good here.
1: Now, I feel like Tanahashi should not lose this title, but he could. Um, I, at the same time, like it's like it's Matt Riddle; he's an outsider. You know, like, I don't think he signed or anything like
2: that. Well, he did do an interview. I saw a quote from an interview today. And New Japan has gotten him a visa for uh, Japan. (laughs) And he said that he'd be doing more dates with the company, but doesn't want to, you know, obviously spoil them until they're announced. Um, I think he, I don't know if he's announced for Windy City Riot yet. Um, But yeah, it's very clear that this is a big deal. Like, they've, Either signed him or if they're getting him a visa. There's some kind of contract negotiation there with him. Um, so we're, I think we're in the long haul here, at least for the next year with him.
1: I could see Matt Riddle winning this
2: match. I think he's going to, especially with the next the match on the previous the, the next night. I think that he's winning this also. I mean, if
1: I don't know that he will. I mean, I could still see a situation where Tanahashi goes like to a time limit with him, or you know, gives him a, a small package, or you know, even hits him with the high fly flow. You just never know.
2: Or but, do a time a draw.
1: Yeah, I think I mentioned that, but yeah. Um, but at the same time, Matt Riddle's gonna like. It's gonna be a stark contrast when you see what Matt Riddle looks like physically and how he moves and how dynamic of a wrestler he is. I feel like uh, the crowd will still be with Tanahashi, but they're clearly gonna there's they're gonna be impressed with Matt Riddle, most likely. And yeah. if they if this company does have intentions to continue to use him, they could do the thing that they've done in the past, you know. Um, Tanahashi has been like a measuring stick for guys when they bring him back from like excursions or for big pushes and they lose to him. They did that with like Jay White and like Great O'Connor. But if they really want to kind of build this guy up and make him a big deal, especially if he's going to be the leader, hypothetically, of um, maybe Unite Empire, they might give him like that night one title victory, not unlike what they did with like AJ Styles when he first debuted. So I, I, I'm still going to go with Tanahashi. But New Beginning is is a tour where they've done a lot of title changes in the past, especially with Tanahashi. He drops titles during New (laughs) Beginning after winning them at Wrestle Kingdom. He's done that many times before. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Riddle picks up the win here and he's the new TV champion.
2: Yeah, I'm going with uh, Riddle. Yeah, winning the title here, becoming the champion. I feel like yeah, if they, they're if they're investing in him with a visa, and he's gonna be back more. Yeah, you want to get him over night one, have him beat the ace, and then I'm sure they'll have some other programs uh, set up for him going forward.
1: I'm sure there's people listening. They're like, but what about Hecarim versus Tanahashi? They they teased it. It's like that shit was fantastic mania. That shit don't <laughs> count. <laughs> Anything they say on fantastic mania tour, you know, none of that they told us we were going to get a mask versus mask match between Desperado and Dragon Lee. That shit never happened.
2: Right. And plus, it's a backstage comments. Like they can say stuff, but
1: people talking.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Unless it's uh, signed by the championship committee or the IWGP. Like the president of the company is, is
1: Tanahashi. So he can, (laughs) he would be the one that would sign off on it. Right. So, it's weird. There's a conflict of interest there. This is a corrupt
2: company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, following that, the main event will be for the IWGP Global Heavyweight title. The Rebel, the leader of the Bullet Club War Dogs, David Finley, will take on a debuting Nick Nemeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler. So this is an interesting. This to me is
1: the most interesting of all the matches, because in my opinion, when it comes to Nick Nemeth, I've always wondered what someone of his ilk, being in Japan, what that could potentially look like, and if he were to continue. Now we know he signed with TNA, so that's kind of going to be his home. But I'm hoping that for however long it is that he is. I almost kind of get the weird feeling that like this is just him doing like a, a a similar stint that like say trinity did where like a year from now he's just going to show back up in <laughs> wwe at the royal rumble and that will be his like this will be him like getting out there doing his thing but um i would love to see him work with other stars in japan you know and when i I know that right now, David Finley is one of the top like Gaijin stars that the company offers. But to me, like, and I don't mean this to diminish Finley in any way, but when I think of like bringing in an outsider to Japan to work the Japanese style, David Finley is not like that dream opponent. I think of, I I think of like putting him up against like a Naito or putting him up against like, yeah, Shingo or something like that. So, down the line, I'd like to see Nick Nemeth work with a Japanese-style wrestler in Japan. But for the time being, they've got him there with David Finley. And we've never seen Nick Nemeth work anywhere except for WWE all these years. And now he's in the main event of of a New Beginning Tour show, like which is kind of insane. Mm-hmm. And then he's wrestling David Finley, who... David Finley is like a really, really, really talented wrestler. He's right now at this current time, probably at like his apex in terms of pushes, like coming off those big wins at Wrestle Kingdom and in the cage match and, you know, defeating Will Ospreay twice in a row. Um, And his work is really, really good. And the War Dogs seems to really be resonating, getting over with New Japan, but at the same time, it is still David Finley, who is still not full, fully fledged, like a made guy. He's kind of like a, a product of the circumstances, uh, which isn't his fault necessarily. I think he is putting his best foot forward at this current time. And he has all the tools to have a really great match with Nick Nemeth, but I don't know how the crowd's gonna react in this situation. I don't know if they know Dolph Ziggler. I don't know if they're going to treat David Finley like a, like he's a he's a he's like MJF. He's a scumbag, but he's our scumbag and he's the defender of New Japan from this WWF scum. Or are they gonna look at Nick Nemeth as like this white meat baby face? You know, it's two white men. How are they going... How how is the Japanese crowd going to react to this thing, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that they've done a good job getting heat with Finley. I think there's going to be... I think the crowd will boo him, especially after the cage match and how he pinned Osprey and he's pinned Osprey twice now in a row. So I think there will be a ton of heat on him. And we saw from Wrestle Kingdom, the crowd did react to Nemeth, and we've seen that with all WWE guys. Even though, like... The New Japan fan base, they probably don't watch WWE on a regular basis. It's still reported on in Tokyo sports, and they know who those top stars are, so they, they know who Nemeth is. Uh, How
1: I they not know Nick Nemeth if they only know the top stars?
2: <laughs> uh, he's former uh, world heavyweight champion. In 2013?
1: That was, that was over 10 years ago. What are you talking about?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they'll. I think obviously they know who he is. I I don't know how they're gonna react to his wrestling. It's gonna be interesting to see how he wrestles. Like you mentioned, this guy has been in that WWE system from day one. OVW, Kerwin White's uh, golf caddy, Spirit Squad. Like, uh, yeah, he's he he's had a long WWE career. Um, so yeah, but obviously great amateur wrestler. We know that's a great base to have when you're wrestling New Japan style. Um, And even in WWE, he's a guy that kind of stood out wrestling that style, the WWE style. So after all these years, yeah, can he kind of put it together and have a blowout match? I think it's a very important match for him um, to kind of prove what he has. And especially the guy there with Finley where... A lot of fans are hit or miss on Finley um, and are not always excited, even though, you know, he, he does have good matches, and I feel like the the cage match was just blow away, and they did a great job elevating him um, in that feud and in that matchup. Um, so I think it'll be a big spot for both these guys, and I, I think they both really need to deliver here.
1: Well, a- another interesting thing is, like, when it comes to Riddle and Nick Nemeth and their uh You know title challenges they both were established in early january and since then we really haven't gotten anything from either guy i mean yes matt riddle did that tag match on the us show but that really didn't further this storyline that wasn't something that was like aiming or you know even marketed to the japanese audience to further this feud with tanahashi and nothing with nick Nemeth has been done to build the match with david finley i know that uh obviously i don't know where or when you would have done that on these tours because he was in the middle of his feud with osprey and with the the war dogs but even on social media even you know uh, like with press conferences or whatever like there just hasn't been anything since january 4th january 5th to build these main events and semi-main events so I am wondering what kind of heat these matches are going to come in with because there's very little act. I mean, yes, the initial build on January 4th for this main event was good, but that's, that's all we've had. It's been over a month. That's, you know, at at this point, they're running on fumes. And with Tanahashi and Matt Riddle, it was just a video and Matt, Tanahashi buried Matt Riddle afterwards talking about how he didn't even know who the fuck he was, even though he's the (laughs) president of the company. So yeah, it's going to be weird.
2: I wonder if Tanahashi's uh, done his research yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be weird. But uh, yeah, I think that this is an interesting card. I mean, um, depending on what your proclivity is, you could look at this and be like, man, there's a lot of title matches. There's a lot of like kind of outside names. This kind of looks really great or, There could be a more discerning eye and be like, damn, it's Dolph Ziggler and David Finley in the main event? (laughs) You know, broken down Tanahashi versus sex best Matt Riddle, an evil match, a show match, women? I don't know about this. but there's definitely uh there's definitely some things you can look at here and and rightfully so kind of like you know is this card going to deliver I, I to me this is kind of more like a a curiosity show than one where i'm like 100% sold and you know tied in i, I think Dave, uh as far as um uh predictions go there's no way david finley loses to nick Nemeth here
2: yeah i expect uh finley to retain here well, we did have a question from Rambone Slam Pig. Yeah, he says, which title do you think is most likely to change hands on the first night in Sapporo? My bet on the TV title, but it makes me puke in my mouth a little bit, just thinking of it.
1: Uh, well, you know, that kind of echoes some of the thoughts that we had. I think it's a possibility, but for me, I think the title that's most likely to change is Evil dropping the never title to show to Umino. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a get, 100% for sure, but I would count on that more so than any other title change.
2: Yeah, if they are only going to do one change, like I think that would be the one, if they're going to swerve us with some of the other uh, title matches. So then uh, moving on to night two, same building, uh, same city here. So we're going to have another Frontier Zone kicking off the show. Uh, Tomoya and Toriano taking on Katsuya Marishima and Tomoko Hanma. Uh, then we'll have Desperado, Bolton Oleg, Shota Umino, Togi Makabe, and Yo taking on the House of Torture. Then we'll have the Chaos team, the, the final match for Kazuchika Okada in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he'll be teaming up with Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi to take on the United Empire team of Francesco Akira, Great Ocon, Hanare, Jeff Cobb, and they'll be teaming up with Matt Riddle.
1: Yeah, so obviously this match is coming on the tail end of the fallout of the TV title match from the night prior. Um, you know, you, you probably don't want to overanalyze that. They do this very regularly, so it's not necessarily a continuation of the feud, but it is something that's going to occur the next night in the fallout, but uh it's okada's last match for the time being with the company and you know united empire don't have a leader and now they've got us an outside pretty well established marketable in the country and um charismatic star and matt riddle it seems like they may potentially be poising him to be the next leader of the united empire uh, Yeah, and it's I don't know. I don't know which way they're gonna go with this. I, I could repeat a lot of my same talking points from the night from you know the discussion on the night prior. I don't know how they handle this. If this is just the last ride for Okada and Tanahashi and Chaos and they, they ride off in the sunset, it, you know, maybe maybe we're over analyzing it, they're not gonna do anything big, or maybe there's a big flashing angle alert here. I don't know.
2: Yeah, honestly, like yeah, it could be all of the it could be any of the above, and and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, hopefully, they do take advantage, do some some kind of angle with this being Okada's last appearance and not just a big old farewell thing. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the, what happens there.
1: I did want to mention something. Um, on last week's episode of Super J Cast, they were teasing pretty heavily and pretty much you know without saying it, reporting that. Uh, Jungle Boy is going to be a participant in this year's New Japan Cup. He's also facing off against Shota Umino at Windy City Riot coming up here in the near future. What are the chances that he shows up and screws Umino out of the Never title?
2: Uh, I mean, there's definitely a possibility of that if you want to build a heat there to their matchup, uh, which hasn't been officially announced yet. Uh, for Winnie City Riot, uh, Jack Perry has been announced for the show, but they haven't announced that matchup. Um, so but, yeah, but but you know it's coming, right? Yeah, so they could do that to build the heat and do that match. I would hate that. I think they should just have Umino win, and then you have Jack Perry attack him post match, hold yeah. the belt up, and then you do Umino versus Jack Perry for the never title at Winnie City Riot. Um, so next matchup here we have. Uh, GOD versus GOD as the original Girls of Destiny Tama Tonga and Tangaloa will take on the new Girls of Destiny in El Phantasmo and Hikaleo. So last you, you
1: didn't you didn't read the stipulation.
2: What's the stipulation?
1: You didn't know they added stipulation to this match? No. Yeah, it just came through on social media today. Uh, winner and losers leave town. Match. So everybody. Lo- whether you win or lose, you're all leaving the promotion at the end.
2: Oh, they are. I didn't know that. No, I'm playing. Oh.
1: <laughs> How would that be a stipulation? What kind of stipulation is that? Losers and winners lose, leave town,
2: bro. It's, it's new Japan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we know for sure. So it'll be the last match for Tama, Tonga. Tama. We don't know the status of Tangaloa or elp or hikaleo we know elp and hikaleo were teasing uh their contracts being up soon when they were on this show with us in december and all the other podcasts they did um that media tour leading the wrestle kingdom so we don't know if they've re-signed or they're going to do per tour deal what the deal is but we know for sure tama has gone
1: yeah um I don't. I don't really have too many thoughts here. I think it's a. Uh, if it is Tamatonga's final match and he's wrestling with his family and you know with his faction mates, I think it's a good send off. Um, I don't know what to expect in terms of how good the match will be. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, and yeah, it, it's a. It's a good send off match. So, and if hypothetically, hypothetically, if the new God is staying, and you want to potentially you know, push them, which I don't know if they are or aren't, given that they just lost the IWGP tag team titles. But, you know, this is sort of like if they're gonna stick around and be a tag team, this is kind of a bucket list sort of match, you know, kind of a quasi-dream match facing off against the other G O D before before, you know, they're no longer a team or whatever. But um it, i I I joked and said it could be everybody leaves town, but it really could be like all of them leaving, potentially.
2: Yeah, well, we know that we have a few more dates on ELP and Hikaleo. They're scheduled for Windy City Riot, and they're still uh, strong tag champions. But yeah, I mean, after, shortly after that, maybe they, they could be leaving as well. Um, but I do think that ELP and Hikaleo should win because um, their they're team's sticking around for a little bit longer.
1: I mean, you never know. It, it, God might be like, we got to go over, (laughs) (laughs) big brother.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if they want to give Tam, you know, feel good win on the way out, but I think the right call would be to have uh, ELP and um, Hikaleo win. Um, uh, so let's see. Following that, we will have uh Nick Nemeth and Riskated Gucci taking on the uh Bullet Club war dogs of David Finley and Gato.
1: No greater way to heat up uh, an incredible feud or debut of a guy than to pair him up with Taguchi and face him off against Ghetto uh, in his second night with the company. That just screams money, you know. <laughs> There's gonna be ass play. This this match is gonna have beard play and ass play a hundred percent. And you know how how goofy Dolph Ziggler can be when given the opportunity to play the haha. He's gonna do the ha ha in this match. Like there's for sure gonna be ass play.
2: So I got a theory I wanna slide by here. What Nick Nemeth joins the Bull Club War Dogs? Yeah. It's possible. So yeah, he he loses to Finley, and then he earns Finley's respect in that match. And then yeah, he this match is is an angle essentially to get him to turn and join War Dogs.
1: Yeah, I could kind of see that pairing him up with Toguchi doesn't make a lot of sense, really. Um, And hypothetically, if you were like, if you're Nick Nemeth, and you're like, yeah, I'm Dolph Ziggler, the WWE guy, but not necessarily like someone that's going to light up the indies what do you do to kind of heat yourself up doing potential indie dates and maybe doing stuff with uh impact you go the Cody route you slap on that (laughs) white and black (laughs) club all over your gear you know and and you go that way I mean it did wonders for Cody Rhodes wonders like it, it that basically like people don't want to talk about it a minute, but like there would be no finishing the story if it wasn't for the fucking bullet club you know so mm-hmm. I- I'm sure that I could totally see a world where Dolph Ziggler is like I'll just do what Cody fucking did I'll just put on black and white and I'll be the the North American leader of Bullet Club so there will be Bang Bang Club Bullet Club there's the Rogue Army there's the House of Torture there's the War Dogs there's the OG Bullet Club Bears.
2: Impact the Ace Austin Chris Bay, and
1: that is where he'll go. He'll be the leader of those guys. Mm-hmm. So there'll only be seven different factions of Bullet Club simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> it's very simple. I don't know
2: why people don't get it. You know, we need a uh, a Bullet Club family tree. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When uh, you talk about his family, you're talking about my family. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it all starts with Fergal Demit.
1: <laughs> it all no, it all starts with Taguchi. True. So, you know, there's no Taguchi. there's no there's no AEW. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. We we all hate on the man, but you know, clearly we we gotta thank him for uh modern day professional wrestling.
1: Dolph Ziggler is like I'm just gonna do what Prince and fucking, you know Cody did I'll I'll steal Cody's gimmick I'll turn on to Gucci just like Prince <laughs> David did like I'll just be Bullet Club this this works wonders and yep. he'll sell all the black he'll try and sell Hawk all those shirts when he goes works in GCW or whatever the fuck you know
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, show off club.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a show off club shirt. Like it's 2016. Like, that shit's gonna,
2: you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, following that, we're gonna have uh, a series kickoff between L.I.J. and Just Five Guys. So, first, it will be Taka Michinoku taking on Bushi.
1: Bushi's probably going to win just because he's been losing entirely the entirety of all these tours and Taka's been the one picking up the wins, but fuck Bushi. i ride right with Taka. Uh,
2: so yeah, they they do have um, there's a 2-1 record with uh, Taka having the two wins to Bushi's one loss in their history in singles matches, so yeah, I mean maybe Taka pulled out another one hits uh, that uh, Michinoku driver puts uh, good old Bushi away
1: my uh my girlfriend she you know she watches wrestling obviously not as much as i do but her bread and butter is like the uh the attitude era and so i was like she saw taka the other day and she was like who's that guy why is his hair so fucking stupid and i was like that's taka and like i was like taka remember from like the attitude era? and she's like i've never seen this guy in my life and then i i had to like remind her of the gimmick choppy like, choppy no no i didn't even bring that up at first i I brought up the the like the, indeed yeah the evil. and then you know the the voiceover promos and then she's like oh my god you like just unlocked like a <laughs> like a dormant memory i forgot about like she's like i haven't i i forgot about this and then i was like yeah choppy choppy bp and she's like oh my that's who that is and i was like yeah
2: yeah we stand, uh,
1: Taka. You know? <laughs> He's a legend. What? What did Bushi ever do? You know, did he ever grab a sword and try to choppy choppy peepee? No, we never did that. Taka, <laughs> Taka did that for us.
2: Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know. I think Bushi will probably end up getting the win here because yeah, he has, Bushi's
1: gonna win. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 All right. So uh, the next singles match is gonna be Hiromu Takahashi taking on Doki. And they have a four zero and one record with uh, Hiromu having the uh, the four wins over Doki.
1: I'm very much thinking that uh, the hair versus hair match will be the highlight of the evening. But every time Hiromu and Doki lock it up, they just tear the house down. So I'm I'm looking forward to this quite a bit. That being said. I think Doki's been getting these surprise roll up wins and stuff for a reason, and it's probably because he's going to lose to Hiromu on this night. I would love for him to, you know, I think it would be a smart idea for New Japan to have Hiromu go on a little bit of a slump because he lost the title and slump it up a little bit before he's back on, you know, his road. But that's probably not what they're going to do. They're probably going to have Hiromu win here. So uh, I'm optim- I'm going to be riding with doki but i expect Hiromu to
2: win yeah same here i mean doki has gotten the better of him He's kind of make a fool of Hiromu this whole uh new beginning tour he's pinned him um in multi-man tags. he's had the visual pinfall in the gauntlet match so uh, a lot of momentum is riding on doki here so um uh, yeah i think it's uh going to be Hiromu getting the win here in a very fun matchup so then uh, following that we will have Taichi taking on the dragon Shingo Takagi
1: this is a, you know what's funny I'm kind of like looking up and down the card and like I kind of think I, I, I'm I, realizing that I see myself picking everybody in LIJ to win but do and I hadn't even given any forethought before we started doing this show like I don't I wasn't like oh I think LIJ is going to clean sweep them but like looking at it's just the fact that it's L I J and how much better L I J is as the unit than just five guys. It's like, I could see them clean sweeping them. (laughs) Um, You know, at the same time, like the Tai Chi, you you have the records. What's the record with Tai Chi and Shingo? I feel like Shingo always beats Tai Chi almost.
2: Yeah. So they are four, two and one with uh, Shingo being up.
1: Yeah. um, I do think Tai Chi could win here they did put up their YouTube channels for this match. I don't know what the fuck that means. Like, how do you lose your YouTube channel to another person? Maybe, I don't know what, what the deal is with that, but, um, I am, I'm kind of looking here and I'm like, damn, like what? I, I guess I'm going with the LIJ clean sweep. I think
0: Shingo's going to (laughs) win.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm a bigger Shingo fan than I am a Tai Chi fan. I like, like Tai Chi a lot, but I think uh, Shingo's a man. He's somebody that should be pushing the world top picture once again. So, I mean, I'm, I'm riding with Shingo here.
1: And I'm going to kind of be voting for Tai Chi. I kind of want Tai Chi to, you know, even up the, the series a little bit. So I'll be supporting him, but I kind of think Shingo's going to win.
2: Yeah. Then following that, we will have the hair versus hair matchup. Yota, Suji versus Yuya, Yuomura. They are 16, 10, and 22 with Suji being up. Um,
1: this is a tough one because of both, both of these guys' identities and looks rely so heavily on their hair. Um, I see it going one of two ways. The first way is with Suji. If he loses his hair, it could be akin to the way Julia lost her hair, but was still kind of badass, and you know, kind of made it work for her, and was still able to you know make it to the title picture and everything like that. I could see a situation where Suji is in a similar situation. However, the big difference to me between Suji and Yumori is that Suji is basically a finished product, uh, product already. And yue is clearly not even though he's been progressing from a character perspective like the form of his look and his gear and his attire and his character they're just not fully formed like this is not a top guy look right now he's the one that sort of needs the reset or the reboot and some sort of character development suji really doesn't need that he might need a different motivation, but he doesn't need to change anything about the way he looks because he could be, you could strip, you could put that, that winged title around his waist tomorrow and he'd be a top superstar. You is not in that position for that reason. I think he's the one that needs to lose his hair. And this isn't, this isn't playing favorites. I know they both have incredible heads of hair and that's why it's going to be tragic either way, no matter who loses but i think that more is the one that needs the reset in general with his look and i think this is the catalyst
2: for that yeah i absolutely agree with you man um i feel like uh always look always kind of felt a little bit weird coming back and his look with just five guys yeah i i think that it would be the right call for him to cut his hair and you know, we don't know if they're gonna do full, um, you know, shave them down bald, uh, you know, Kurt Angle style, or it's gonna be like Jeff Jarrett style, where yeah, the Jeff <laughs> thing. you just get a nice, a nice little uh, short, a spiky cr- hair crew cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll see what they end up doing here, but yeah, I think it'd be the right call for uh, Yamura to cut his hair, get a new look, um, and and, and kind of really establish himself from there. Where I feel like yeah, Suji. Uh, came for excursion a little bit longer and kind of has this established look. He's a bigger star. Uh, and plus, Uomura already beat him in the dome. Um, I think this is, yeah, Suji's so uh, getting the win back here.
1: Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is that while, yeah, it does give quote unquote bragging rights to the person that wins, the real story of a hair versus hair match generally is about the guy that loses the hair more so than the guy that won you know Mm -hmm. and if you have suji lose his hair you're making the story about suji and you yeah he benefits from being able to say on paper i won but what does that do for him moving forward how does that change him where does he go next you know Suji's just Suji without hair and he's just gonna have to regain his hair nothing really changes for him as far as I could tell I think the other scenario the one that we're projecting where it's like Suji Suji wins he gets to keep you know doing the uh, shit eating grin be that dick be that cocky asshole and Uemura is the one that has to like rebuild himself and that just makes way more sense to me since he's the one that needs it anyways
2: yeah, then you could do a whole story of yeah him having to rebuild himself and then um chasing um Suji. Maybe you put them in the same G one block or maybe in the same uh, New Japan Cup bracket and kinda have him chasing um Suji.
1: Yeah, I just I think that it'd be a book I think it'd be a mistake if you have Suji lose the hair and then along with that change the character because the gimmick's already money
2: yeah uh, we have some questions here uh roddieszer right stink face underscore lover uh who do you want to win the hair versus hair match? Who has nicer hair between the two of them?
1: I think humorora has the better hair to be honest with you but um i'm I'm a big fan of both of these guys. I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't, but i I am kind of gonna go for suji a bit more just because I think youora kinda needs that redemptive road and really hasn't had too big of a defining loss up to this point anyways. This would be like his big you know, the big loss.
2: Yeah. Um I, I don't know. I personally I like Suji's hair better. Um uh, but yeah, it's gonna be sad for either one of them, but yeah I do think Suji should win and I want him to to win. Discord uh, Daddy says if you lost a fight And got your head shaved how would you regain Your confidence asking for a friend Ya Uamora.
1: I would perform As proficiently sexually as I possibly Could following that loss So that I could, you know Prove to myself my manhood
2: <laughs> uh, I mean several people have uh, Bounced back uh, I mean, We're
1: talking two
2: three times back to back Bang
1: bang bang this man shaking his head in disappointment right now. Uh, bro, bro, you got your ass beat. So if you got your ass beat, you already know you can't fight. There's only one other thing that you can do to restore yourself and to restore your your honor, restore you know? the feeling. You know, if you're not a you're not a fighter, you got to
2: be a lover, one or the other. <laughs> oh man. Uh the so next question here, Cody. Luchu. <laughs> Keep in the, the game. They're, they're not a sponsor. Keep
1: uh, you in the game. You know what I'm saying.
2: <laughs> um, you keep going till they tap out. <laughs> um. So doesn't
1: even know where the fucking wants to go. next. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, Cody Dr. Larry it says in a hair versus hair match, shouldn't all hair be on the line? Eyebrows, facial hair, body hair, pubic hair. I think so. If that is all on the line. Do you guys think the finish should be a shoot? What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question. <laughs>
2: oh, man. All right. Uh, last match up here for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. Tetsuya Naito will defend his first defense against Sonata.
1: We're getting Sonata versus (laughs) Naito again. Hopefully, uh, I I enjoyed the first match. Hopefully, we don't get the same sequence and level of botches down the tail end stretch as we did during that match. Hopefully, Naito's eye doesn't get destroyed in this match. Um, I hope it's really good. Um, Hopefully, the Sapporo crowd is a little bit more Partisan and you know, split as opposed to the Tokyo crowd was where Naito just completely totally overwhelmed Sonata in virtually every way when it came to crowd support. But, um, I hope the match is great, but this the, to me, this is a dead match and I'm kind of surprised they're doing it.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is kind of our, all of our talking points from the Wrestle Kingdom build, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, very. Dead match, not great build, no interest. And yeah, it is very surprising because they normally don't go back to back with tile matches like this. Um, so, yeah, very weird that they're uh, going back to that. Um, yeah, I mean, all I could hope for is a, a decent match and Naito retaining, and then we, we move on.
1: I would be very surprised if Sonata were to regain the title the only way i see that happening is if they plan to transition shortly after to another champion um like in a quick succession and they don't want naito to be that guy or if there's like health issues going on with naito which is always po- a possibility but barring those unforeseen circumstances i think naito is going to retain here
2: yeah i mean i think that is the the right call um yeah, I have a hard time seeing Sonata retain the championship. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We have a couple questions here. Uh, Death Triangle Seven Twenty for Zapporo shows. Do you think there will be a surprise debut?
1: Um, I mean, it's always a possibility, but I, I don't like have anybody in mind that I'm thinking is going to debut. They're, they're already debuting a few people as it stands.
2: Yeah, I think we could see. Um, you know, Jack Perry, maybe Mustafa Ali, some of the guys that they've already kind of introduced this year. Maybe we see those guys kind of continue to establish what they're doing next. Uh, then Rambone says um, Assuming Nitro retains on night two, what direction do you see his title ring going? He would have a match with the junior champion and a match with Moxley in Chicago on the books, but what's next? Moving on from. Just five guys, or circling around to a challenge from Taichi or Uemura.
1: Um, Well, yeah, like you said, the Moxley uh, Chicago match is on the docket. Is that before the New Japan Cup, or before Secure Genesis?
2: It is after Secure Genesis. It's like it's like few days, like several days after. Like Secure Genesis is like getting it like April like fourth or something like that, and then when you see it riots so 10 days later.
1: So basically the anniversary shows next. So he would have hypothetically Desperado and then pretty much the winner of the new Japan cup, which take your pick. I, I would be surprised if it wasn't, I'd be surprised if it was like, like how he mentioned Taichi or Yomora um, from just five guys. I don't think that we're going to see them continue this just five guys feud, but um I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, one of the the young talents, like Asuji or something like that.
2: Yeah, I don't know they're, they're building Saber up. Saber's called Naito out, I think, at some point. I don't know if it's immediately, but I think Saber Naito, I don't know if you hold it off, tell Dominion. Um, but I think that's definitely um, coming up pretty soon.
1: My only thing with that, and that, that might very well be what happens, my thing with it, though, is, like, do they want Zach to win the New Japan Cup again? And if he does, he's winning that that match, which means that the Naito-Mox match in Chicago wouldn't be for the world title at that point.
2: Right, which is something you teased um, when we were previewing it. Yeah, that might not actually be a title match.
1: And you were like, nah, they wouldn't do that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> they absolutely would. They already got the people's money. They don't need to... You know, have the title there. They got it's two big stars, but you know, I digress.
2: Um, yeah. And also, the interesting thing with that, uh, Moxley is on the poster for the Chicago show, I mean, the uh, California show, Resurgence. So you could have the whole thing where he's like, I wanted a world title shot, and then you could have him beat Naito, and then you do Mock Saber in California.
1: They always planned to do that match pre-pandemic for the u.s title and it never ended up happening um you know the other thing too is like uh you know if if mox is fighting uh naito in chicago and it's non-title you know who's going over (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man so um anyways let's jump into the news just a couple quick things um New Japan strong resurgence tickets are on sale now. And uh, this past week on February seventeenth, Julia went nine defenses as she defended the uh, strong women's title against uh, Natsuko Tora successfully in Stardom. So um, still holding on to that title, even though her you know the the status of her um, contract situation and the, her future with uh, Stardom is very much in question.
2: Yeah. All right, we have some uh, questions here. We can run through these uh, real quick. And
1: you gotta do it real quick, i i know we're going short, but I. <laughs>
2: you're, you're struggling, struggling yeah. Uh, Reddit user cloak whale, uh, who is someone New Japan should have their eye on stacking up in the next year to help elevate them more? Money. <laughs> yeah. Um. I honestly, they have. Yen. Yeah, they have enough talent that. That I wouldn't really be worried about getting people. I'd be worried about building out what you have. Brock. Last <laughs> uh, commission, last commission, seven, two, five, two. So there was news that Josh Burnett is bringing what sport to Japan on June 22nd opinion on the news.
1: Uh, I love that idea. And I saw that um, Suzuki is also involved with it and they're going to run uh sumo hall, which sounds awesome. Um, at the same time, I just feel like you know, blood sport being a bastardization of what shoot style actually is, like is kind of weird. like you're going to Japan where they have actual shoot style to do a a shittier version of an Americanized version of shoot style. I don't know, it's kind of weird, but uh, it it's cool all the same. I think that if they get a lot of the guys that are good at doing shoot style in Japan involved, then it could probably really elevate the blood sport brand in general.
2: Yeah, I think it could be fun. The Blood So Blood Sport shows are always really fun. And also it's kind of supposed to be more of a shoot style thing. And we you know also the history of shoot style in Japan. And so depending on who they get on it, it could be end up being probably one of the better blood sports shows that they do.
1: like they they are fun and I, I really enjoy them. But like I always look at those as closer in DNA to like early UFCs. They don't mm-hmm. remind me when I watch those shows, they do not remind me of like Akira Maeda's rings. They're not like, <laughs> you know, like they're not good shoot style. They're like, kind of like, oh, this is fun. This reminds me of UFC three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so it's like, they're not, you know, what you'd sort of, think of like they're not a true representation of what good shoot style like it's not they're not kiyoshi Tamura in there you know yeah
2: uh this next question what outside talent would you guys like to see in the new japan cup i hope guys like tom Mahler, JR kratos and fred rosser have the opportunity to showcase their talent in japan or at least in this year she one
1: um i i i would not want to see uh, just being totally honest with you I would not want to see all three of those guys in there because there's only so many spots, and I don't think that all three of them should be there. But um, if you want to throw A, any one of those guys would be fine. Tom Lawler, let's say, that'd be my pick. Sure, let's have it. Um, I, I think that they should shorten the field. I, I, I'm i not opposed to having like a CMLL or an AEW guy in there or someone from Strong. That That would be fun. But I think they should focus on... Um, you know right now they've lost a lot of big stars so they need to put the guys that they want to give the most spotlight to here in the near future into that tournament
2: yeah I wouldn't fill it up with a ton of outsiders like we mentioned there's a tease of Jack Perry being a tournament we uh, think you know Soperano's a guy that could be good in the tournament Uh, but outside of that I wouldn't yeah pump too many outside guys I think yeah Tom you probably throw Tom in there but then yeah fill it up with the rest of the guys that are going to be working the, the whole year um, he says, uh, I would love to see CMLL be featured in, in this year's G1 involving wrestlers like Mexico and Volador Jr., while others like Silverano Jr., Atlantis Jr., Mascara featured in Best Super Juniors. This tour is great to watch, and it would be a miss from Gato or Tanahashi to not have these guys come back during these, these tournaments. Any thoughts?
1: Um, one or two. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I would be, like that, that should always be your max. One or two guys from a, from an outside company in one of our premier, in one of New Japan's premier tournaments.
2: Yeah, I'd be fine with like one CMLL guy in G1, and then I would probably do Mascot Arata in Super Juniors.
1: I, I'm a big fan of when Noah had um, Naka, a young Nakajima who was getting ready to be elevated to like championship status but he was still considered like a young talent for them and then they brought in marafuji as like the ace level type guy do something like that you know bring in your two guys we've seen this in best of the super juniors for years where they'd bring in like volador in the one bracket and then they'd have like soberano jr in the other bracket who was like the pin eater you know Mm -hmm. i i'm a fan of that so you know you want to do like Hachisero or I actually, I don't even know who they if you want to bring in like an Atlantis Jr. or something like that and then like a um, like a Zandokon for G one, that'd be cool. Something like that, whatever. Or Soberano or whoever, but
2: yeah. Uh, Hawaiian Punch BV during the Fantastic Mead tour. We got teaser between Naito Desperado and Naito and Show. Which matchup are you more looking forward to?
1: Um, Naito and Desperado. I think that that's We've seen Desperado just have better matches in recent memory for those big matches uh, with heavyweights when it was like him and um, Ibushi and him and Okada. So I, I'd be more apt to see that match. If if we got Show returning to previous form, then yeah, I, I would pick Show in a heartbeat, but I don't see that happening.
2: Yeah, going with Desperado, we've kind of already talked about a lot of the reasons why uh, he's a bigger star, better matchup. That's what I would go for. Uh says, Josh Barnett recently announced Bloodsport in Japan. Any wrestlers that you'd like to see take part? Do you think this Japanese event will be better than the American one since there are more Japanese wrestlers that have competed in MMA?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, they've already uh, announced a few Japanese talents to take place in the next uh, Bloodsport here in America, so I'm assuming that there's a good chance that some of those guys will appear um, for the Japanese you know, version and yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if like Namora or like Hideki Suzuki and stuff like that are are in it. Um, I'm not really the biggest expert on all the like Glidette guys from uh from from Glate. You know, I don't know all their names and everything, so I couldn't tell you who I want to see in it. But I would encourage them to get actual, you know. Catch style wrestlers and and martial artists to be in it, guys that actually understand how to do shoot style.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's a question: Thoughts on Teporius' emphatic finish against Volkanovski?
1: Yeah. Did you watch uh, UFC this past weekend?
2: I did not. No.
1: Yeah. You know, I I'm at a point in my life where I pretty much just watch the big UFC events and oftentimes just the main card. I don't have time to watch all those fight nights every weekend. Um, so when I'm out with my friends, I typically will know a bit more about fighting in general than them, but when it comes to like people on the rise that are on those on those fight night shows, they'll know a bit more than me. So they were telling me for a while that like Ilya Taporia was like the truth. And I hadn't seen a lot of him, but I started watching some of his fights in the lead up to the Bolkanovsky fight, and I was like, you know what? he might fucking knock out Volkanovski and I even hit up my buddy who I went out and watched the fights with and I was like do you think tapori has a chance to knock out Volkanovski and he was like yeah bro that's what I'm predicting and he he's pretty good at predicting too and I was like Fuck, I think that might happen and I was like I mean it, I could see anything happening here but you just never know um you know I listen to like Dave I think Dave Melter, I love Dave I do, but I think he's one of the fucking worst analysts when it comes to MMA. I don't think he knows Jack shit when it comes to this stuff. And you know, his theory was that like Volk got knocked out, lost his confidence, and because he's aging, he's just not the guy he used to be. That's not what I saw. I saw someone like he looked really, really good uh on Saturday or yeah, on Saturday night. I think Taporia just game planned better. Taporia um came forward had better like pretty much just his boxing is incredible he keeps his hands up you know in in a perfect guard and he's got good good footwork good placement he puts a lot of pressure and most guys at 145 can't deal with the power of his right hand um the problem that I saw from Volkanovski all throughout the fight was like he was going um to his left so he was walking right into range of of the right hand of Taporia, and i don't know if he was doing that because when he was younger and he was a bit faster he could counter off of that he could get out of range um and he was also going in a straight line backwards when he was dealing with the pressure and anytime he got close to Taporia, where he'd put him um like in the clinch Taporia immediately just started like rattling off like huge shots to the body and that would make volkanovsky just you know get away um and i think that he just he he just stalked him and he just was planning to land that bomb and he landed a few times and you could tell it was bothering volkanovsky and then eventually got him up against the cage and boom put him out um all credit in the world to Taporia first you know, spanish MMA champion in the UFC and he he really looks like he has the goods he's a great fighter I think it is amazing though that the the takeaway from most people from this weekend was concern over Volkanovsky's health for being knocked out as long as he was and then also the shock of like and disbelief at the fact that a champion of his caliber got stopped in such a dominant fashion it reminds me of like when Anderson Silva um or like when Jose Aldo got knocked out so um yeah I I don't think they should do an immediate rematch I I think um in the future if Volkanovski does decide to fight him again he just shouldn't needs to work on his distance control um and not maybe circle out to the left and go straight back because he just set himself up for failure to, to get knocked out honestly
2: Nice. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Um, I heard Dave talking about it uh, this weekend, but yeah, I had to uh,
1: listen, bro. Don't listen. I swear to God, and I mean this wholeheartedly. Dave does not know shit about fighting. Like Dave says the wrong shit ev- after every UFC. The only time, I, the only reason I listen to it is just because it's there, and like I like UFC, but like he's always wrong, always. <laughs> like it, it it's. It's stunning. And now from the business side of things, he does get a lot of that and he's great at that. He understands, you know, how their business works and making stars. But when it comes to judging fights or recapping what happened, he just he's never fought. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about
2: ever. Yeah, he brings on that uh that Ryan, I forget his last name guy. Frederick. Uh, yeah, he seems like he knows a little bit more than
1: he knows a bit more, but you know, they're kind of complimentary of Dave because it's his network and they're not gonna like be like you're fucking stupid Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave's wrong every time. He says the wrong shit every time. He doesn't I know he's been covering it since ninety-three and, and everything, but like he does not get fighting. He has a horrible eye for it.
2: Alright, uh next uh set questions here, Def Triangle 720. What should New Japan avoid doing in New Japan Cup this year?
1: Um like I said earlier, I think they need to not focus so much on having such a large field um we saw issues from that in in past years especially like uh with meaningless matches and people getting injured and you know kind of just like they spread the field out so much to do as many house shows as possible and so the the cards kind of sucked i think that they should condense that a little bit i think that they should also avoid putting in too many guys that really are no hopers and have no business being in the tournament like I'm not saying it needs to be an all-star extravaganza, especially since they probably don't have a bunch of stars that they could do that with, but they need to put the guys that they want to focus, um, you know, the, the top title scenes on in this tournament and have them be the ones that have great matches and kind of get the buzz going again.
2: Yeah. I think we need, um, to have stuff where we're not putting guys like H- Hikaleo through, uh, to some semifinal like we did in G1, um, and, yeah, push guys that you actually want to get behind you know that you're going to be using um, in that, that kind of capacity. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of compelling things we can do, and I pretty much agree with everything that y- you said. Uh, he says, uh, what should New Japan do to make up, uh, make up the feeling like they must see from start to finish?
1: Uh, it's what we just, we just answered that. He was asking, like, how they make the, the cards more must see.
2: Yeah um uh, let's see he says do either of you find it odd that new japan seems the most affected by the yen and being down more than other promotions in japan
1: uh no because it's not just the economics of the country it's also the economics of bushi road yeah so it's not it's not just simply you know um the fact that their currency is down it's other things affecting their business as well
2: yeah, uh, other promotions are not, not owned by a big company like Ibushi Road.
1: Well, Noah is.
2: Yeah, but different business, though.
1: Yeah, um, you did skip one of his questions.
2: Um, well, let's see, what do you think makes the most sense? Who do you think makes the most sense to win the Japan Cup? That's a tough question. Um,
1: I I think if you want to... For me, I think it's like what we've been saying. If you're going to switch the title soon, then it needs to be probably Zack Sabre Jr. But if you are looking to give one of these young guys a shot who are not going to win the title, then maybe Suji or maybe uh, Umino.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's the way that they're, they're pushing Zack makes me feel like he's going to win, um, which would be, yeah, you know, first... Oh, what he be? You know, how much time has Goto won? Goto's won it like three times. Goto
1: won it like three or four times, and yeah. so I'd be. That's why I'm like, yeah, Zach winning it three times is, you know, there is precedent, but it, it just seems like a lot.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, right now I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards Zach. Um, it says, do you think New Japan can't have uh, their relationship with AEW canceled due to them having financial issues?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I guess in a sense, I'll be stealing a little bit here from, uh, friends over at the super J cast, but you know, I was listening to Joel and he was talking about this exact subject and he was like, what's the alternative? I mean, I, I understand that there are people that are upset about the, the, um, you know, the fact that they're a more profitable company and we've lost talent to them, but even if, let's say if today they terminated their partnership with them and they were no longer working together or if they had never worked together do you think that means that we wouldn't still be losing our talents because we would still have the issues with the economics of the country the fight the wrestlers would still be taking pay cuts business would still be booming in the states and people would still be jumping ship anyways the only difference is New Japan wouldn't be benefiting monetarily from it in any way.
2: You know what I mean? Right. No forbidden door, pay per view revenue share. Yeah.
1: And that, you know, I, I don't want to speak out of term, but I've heard people say that there's. I don't, I can't confirm that this is true, but I've heard people say that that's a more profitable show in some cases, or in some years, it's been a more profitable show than even Wrestle Kingdom has for the company. So. You know, take that for what it's worth. Like there are benefits to there's a lot of benefits to the AEW partnership, regardless of how you feel about their product or their brand of wrestling or about Tony Khan or whatever. Um, you know, it it, it would be a short sighted thing to not be working with them.
2: Yeah. Um, he said, do you think New Japan won't kill the strong belts because they don't want to admit the fans are right about the titles not having values?"
1: I have no idea. I don't know what goes into their decision making when it comes to uh, title creation. I'd just be shooting in the dark to speculate on
2: that. Same. Uh, he says, if you had to pick three talents for New Japan to try and bring in, who would it be?
1: Um. I mean, if it, if it were up to me, I would maybe focus on some domestic talents like kento Miyahara and um nakajima. nakajima huh
2: yeah nakajima
1: yeah nakajima would be another one um if there's anybody in the states that i would be like you know who would probably be a good fit and i would like to see come over here would maybe be like mike bailey
2: yeah, Speedball would be great full-time in New Japan. Uh, Josh Alexander.
1: Uh, uh, I would love Josh Alexander to be part of this company.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Um, He says, do you think one of the things lacking in New Japan are dynamic stories in the undercards?
1: Sometimes, but, I mean, they have good stories in the undercard where, you know, a lot of other companies don't.
2: Yeah, I, I think yeah, certain time it really is tour by tour basis. Uh, I think we have seen tours where there there are been good undercard stories. Uh then last question here from Dark Soldier. Who would you rather have face had Face O'Connor in this last match, Matt Riddle or Cap in New Japan? I think I choose the latter.
1: Um I don't know why those are my choices. <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm voting for the presidency right now. Like why why is that my choice? <laughs>
2: Um, He says guys you got to get rid of The Okada logo and kiss You need to put Satoshi Kojima as a Replacement fully commit to bread club Guys he's our real daddy And MLW world champion what do you say
1: No (laughs) Listen I I'm just gonna say with My 50% voting rights That (laughs) that is not happening
2: (laughs) A big Old uh, baguette of Kojima So uh, (laughs) up. uh he also says uh, what the hell happened to Gideon Gray was he sent to the shadow realm he was a fund manager to the United Empire and now he's gone
1: again I'd be speculating I don't know I we've never inquired or asked anybody yeah. also I just want to say you don't know that that's Okada in our logo to me that's just a man <laughs> With his arms outstretched. That could be anybody.
2: With arms wide open.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, presumptuous to assume it's Okada. It's not Okada. You don't even know who the fuck that is.
2: Yeah, with Gideon Gray, also, I don't have any information, but just my educated guess would be yen is down. It costs to fly people in. Are you going to spend money flying in the manager? Or are you going to save that to fly in other people? Right. Um, His last question What's an odd fit for NJPW That you'd like to see Someone you wouldn't expect to see in the product But would welcome Money (laughs) Money
1: Not not that money (laughs) The Uh, kind that folds
2: (laughs) My money don't jiggle jiggle It folds (laughs) I don't know,
1: man. I honestly like we got a lot of questions about who they should be bringing in. I'm I'm trying to focus on them like I I appreciate the questions, but I'm like they need to build up their fucking stars that they have and stop focusing on trying to bring in outside people. Like it, it, this is go time, you know. We're, we're in the middle of a potential dark age. We need to fucking shore up what we have before we start focusing on bringing in some outsiders.
2: Yeah. Um, I did not miss some questions here from uh, Barry Walls. She says, uh, does doing the podcast ever overshadow or dampen your enjoyment of wrestling? What I I mean by that is despite being in in the moment, does knowing your need to remember spots or moments then talk about them later play on either of your minds at times, or can you separate your fandom from the podcast?
1: I mean, yeah. So the, the, the thing that it dampens is the necessity to watch everything in a timely manner when it's not always feasible to do that like with my schedule with my life that's the hard part when it comes to watching it I kind of I kind of already enjoy my wrestling the same way that we discuss it here like I'm already analytical person as it is so whether we were doing the show or not I'd be having these thoughts and I really do. We
2: would be having these same, we would be having calls like this. Yeah. And not recording and it. I, <laughs> and I don't really
1: filter, I don't curate what I'm going to say on the show or filter it in any way because I don't give a fuck. So, pretty much what I'm thinking, these aren't like, these aren't me coming up with things that I need to think about to remember to say. I kind of just forget about them and then. I prep nothing at all. And Jeremy just comes and be like, what do you think about this match? And I'm like, Oh yeah. All right. Let me uh, dive back into the old noggin and kind of remember what I thought about that match. And then I just talk about it. So um, I'm sure there's a lot more professional and efficient ways for people to do all this. And I'm sure if they were, you know, really working hard to do all this, that'd be one thing. But I, I mean, I don't, pre- I don't prep notes. I don't take any notes. I don't do anything like that. It, this is all off the dome most of the time.
2: Yeah. I think like you said, the the thing as a dampen is especially for example, this weekend with fantastic mania Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah. That sucked.
1: <laughs> and, and they were good shows, but it sucked.
2: Yeah. It's like, all right. It's like, if I wasn't doing the show, it's like no pressure. I'll, I'll leisurely watch these shows and I'll probably only watch the singles matches <laughs> and move, yeah. move on with my life. Um, But, yeah, so, well, again, I I did enjoy the shows, but yeah, it's pressure. Like, all right, I have to watch, you know, four, two and a half hour shows in the span of four days when I'm also, yeah, busy schedule. I have a wife. I do stuff at church. Like, there's a lot going on. I'm not just sitting here (laughs) watching wrestling all day. Uh, But besides that, I mean, we have these conversations with or without this podcast about wrestling in general. And so it's the way we talk about it break it down stuff like that so uh, that's not pressure i mean i, I make the rundown that's more of just to make sure we kind of have a guide of where we're going i really don't write down yeah my thoughts or opinions there might be a, some spots i write down that i really want to remember but i'm not like oh i have to say x y v on on the show today i miss the
1: the days when our friends watched new japan with us and we could talk all together about this shit now
2: <laughs> just you and me yeah. <laughs> our our friends only like talking about New Japan when a star is leaving. Yeah, they
1: only like to yeah. There there was a, a photo this past weekend from uh, the Red Pro show and it's Tony Khan sitting next to Shingo and they're they're sharing that shit with us and we're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and that could easily happen, bro. We could easily have Shingo get poached to AEW, like
2: that would suck. Bro, Okada's like, "Hey Shingo, let me show you what they're paying over here." He's like, "I could get you
1: paid a quarter of what I'm getting paid, but it's double what you're making right now."
2: Here, call this man Barry Bloom. I got it from Osprey. Man. All right, uh, recommended match of the week, real quick. Uh, Will Ospreay versus Gabe Kidd uh, from Rev. Did Red you Bro. watch it? I did. Yes. I yeah. So I watched this too. What were your thoughts? Uh, great matchup. Um, very very intense. Also, this was building up off of a lot of the uh, comments and shoot promos they were doing around that time, on, and on Twitter, and also the news over here broke that Osprey was leaving. Um, New Japan and Rev Pro and so you know Gabe Kid kind of wanted to be that defender and the guy who takes the crown and takes Osprey out, and uh, Will kind of wanted to beat some respect into Osprey. So yeah, right from the get go, they're they're throwing uh, hard um, shots. It took a lot of crazy spots in this match. Uh, Gabe Kid got busted open uh, early on uh, in the match, and then they did a lot of brawling on the outside. Gabe Kid did a nasty uh, exploder to Osprey on the stage. Um, so yeah they were doing some hard um, Back and forth strikes with each other um, Yeah and this was you know For the people who complain that You know Osprey is just a flippy dude Guy and no psychology He doesn't know how to work Like this like He was very violent and intense Here in this matchup and He literally just saw red And was coming for Gabe Kidd and Also yes it's Osprey so you, you, you do Get the flashy moves but you saw the hatred and anger and the intensity in him. And he was doing stuff to intentionally hurt gay kid, uh, not just to do a, a cool move. Um, so yeah, I thought it was um, very intense stuff. Uh, and that led to the, the hidden blade uh, knockout finish and yeah, great matchup.
1: I thought the match was very good. Um, I, I really loved the beginning stuff where they like, just as soon as the, the bell rang, they, we're just running it and hitting each other with a bunch of crazy shots. And just like, it looked like a real fight. And I loved that intensity in the first opening stanza. And then they went to the outside and, um, you know, Osprey was just bashing, uh, Gabe kid's head all over the building with, you know, all the metal surroundings and busted him open. I love that stuff. I thought that was really, really, really great. And then, um, like you mentioned, they started doing big spots on the outside and in the ring, um but in the like second third of the match the work was good but it kind of started getting kind of melodramatic for me the crowd was really into it like they were really really into it and that definitely elevated the quality of the match um and my enjoyment but like just kind of started getting like overly dramatic for me and then down the tail end stretch um Osprey just kind of killed Gabe Kidd and not in a violent like the tone and tenor of the match had been like this hyper violence and then suddenly down the stretch it's Osprey just hitting all of his signature stuff and his signature stuff is flippy stuff so it's him hitting Ozcutters and him, you know doing all that stuff Um, coupled with hitting the hidden blade and then the, the elbows to the back of the head when the finish just kind of didn't match the closing stanza for me. Like it kind of came from out of nowhere. I don't know if it's a thing where Gabe can't do the new Japan, like Okada style finish with all the reversals down the stretch sort of thing. But I also felt like the style of wrestling that Osprey started doing down the stretch just didn't match what the first two thirds of the match had been entirely Mm -hmm. match was still really good, but you know i i would seen reports of like you know really 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 i'm like four and a quarter on this which is what dave melter david and i feel like he's accurate here um to me and this is just my personal opinion i wouldn't recommend this as one of the um especially considering how many great matches we've already had from excursion matches this year i wouldn't recommend this as an excursion match of the year contender i would however still say it's recommended viewing. If you haven't seen it, it's a it's a great match. Four and a quarter is an awesome match. I just didn't think it was the classic that I I've seen a lot of people report about it.
2: Yeah, it was not that Osprey match. Of the, like I wouldn't go four and three. I wouldn't even think about five. I'm like, yeah, four and a quarter, maybe four and a half, four and a quarter plus, like somewhere in that yeah. range. Uh, which yeah, that, that hits the notebook. It's still great still watch it if you can find it. Um, but yeah, I, it's not going to be a candidate, uh, by the end of this year.
1: Was there anything that you wanted to watch for next week's recommended a match of the week?
2: Well, quick on air production. Uh, I'm going to be out of town next week. So oh shit. I, I will not be on the show. Um, so if you want to hold, um, uh, yeah, we're going
1: to hold off on that part of it and then we're going to figure out what the fuck we do next week for the show. <laughs>
2: uh, so yeah, so yeah, either you'll you do a solo or you find somebody and we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh We will figure it out. So that's it for recommended match of the week. That's going to uh wrap the show up. So uh, like I said, next week, uh, I won't be here But we there will be a show And uh, we'll review uh, New Maybe. Beginning in <laughs> New Beginning in Sapporo uh, So if you enjoyed today's show Please consider making a donation and Visit socialsuplex.com Slash donate, click on the donate button Or the Keeping It Strong Style logo Make sure you connect with us on social media On X, follow us At K.I. Strong Style At Social Suplex And at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook Follow us at Facebook.com slash Social and the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Just keeping a strong style. On YouTube, we are at Social Suplex. Join our Social Suplex Discord server to interact with us and other wrestling fans. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boy, All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin, Imps, WWE Adventure with the Implications, Matthew Mayer, Wrestling Art with Chris Things, Tunnel Talk with Allie and Leah, the Trish and Sarah Wrestling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the Ace of Podcasts.